What's going on, guys? Welcome back to I Came With Fire podcast. Tonight, we're here with David Zhang from China Insider. We've been really excited to have you on. I've uh, been trying to have somebody come on that we could talk to who genuinely is an expert in all things China for a while. Um, I came across you on social media and got really excited when you wrote me back and said you were down to come on. So I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, guys, Brandon and Zach. It's great to be here. Loved uh, what you guys do and uh, excited to talk about China. Awesome. We are too. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to I want to hear a little bit about you, like, you know, how you decided to get into all this, a little bit about your background. Like, what made you decide to get into this, doing this? Uh, so I, everybody knows, like, 2020 was pretty life-changing for a lot of people. For me, I, mm-hmm. I just graduated college. So uh, I was a teacher and I did, uh, a, I did, I, I was teaching for a bit a and then, uh, you know, with, with a virus and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, i got a job offer in new york city for an internship here with uh, the epoch times and so i took the offer um and i worked here in new york city for about now i would say that this would have been my third year here uh i got married in new york uh pretty much here now uh from canada i should say i i was i was oh, okay. uh, yeah, so I'm I'm Canadian actually, but um, I moved here, I got married here, and then uh, worked at the Epoch Times for two years, and now I'm I'm kind of doing my own thing, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's the short version of it, and, and kind of like how I got into it. I think a lot of people, again with COVID, was you really just wanted to know where the virus came from. You just kind of mm-hmm. like you, you, this thing, you know, it doesn't just come out of nowhere, right? Like you had to. It was a curiosity. And then mm-hmm. uh, my childhood go- growing up, I, I was born in China. I was, uh, my, my dad, he, uh, he would practice something called Falun Gong. And so in 1999, the CCP started the persecution against Falun Gong. So he had to flee China and we didn't meet for about five years. And then um, in 2007, I, uh, my family, we, 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 we went to Canada. And so from, from like very early on, I knew that uh, what was happening in China was very much real and it was happening to me. And it was, it, this wasn't, you know, we were doing illegal things and people were trying to chase us down. This was him having a religious belief and the government not allowing it. But, you know, we, we, we found freedom in Canada. We settled. And so growing up, I had this kind of constant desire to tell people that, hey, China is not what you think. It's, it's not mm-hmm. how they're portraying it. And mm-hmm. um, so it almost had a, I had a natural affinity to kind of talking about it from a perspective, kind of, it's, it's a, my, my very personal experience, but also it is a, a truth telling experience for me too, because I just want to tell people that, Hey, you know, what's happening is, is not what you think. That, that's, right. that's basically the summarized version of it. Okay. What, can you expand on what um, you said? I, I don't want to mispronounce it, but I probably will. Falun Gong. What, what yeah. exactly is, is that belief system? So uh, in the so you you guys know how China went through ten years of the Cultural Revolution, right? So mm-hmm. uh, 67 to sixty six seventy six, um, and uh, after that ten years, about starting in the eighties, around the same time China started opening up, there was a huge craze over what's called qigong, which is basically like if you consider um, like Chinese energy meditation practices, and so everybody mm-hmm. like their grandparents were doing it. Uh, the people working were doing it and everyone was doing it. In 1992, 
uh, this practice called Falun Gong came out. It was introduced and it immediately gained widespread popularity in China because uh, people were most people did the the qigong, the energy practice first for health benefits. Right, China okay. has a long tradition of meditative practices, so people kind of were in tune with the stuff. So they used it kind of like how Indians have yoga. Uh, mm -hmm. They have these like uh, meditational purposes that could heal your body. So immediate popularity uh, before 1999, there were estimated to be about 100 million practitioners. And basically the idea is that you follow three principles. You follow truthfulness, compassion and tolerance. And through, you know, you doing the practice, being a good person, naturally your health uh, elevated. In fact, there was mm -hmm. a data that I think it was the Chinese uh, CCP premier. He said something like every year, if people practice Falun Gong, they would save the country's medical bill by hundreds of millions of dollars. But mm. so, so in uh, 1999, uh, the practice was outlawed by the CCP, and against all the opposition in the party, then leader Jiang Zemin, he said, "We have to crack down on Falun Gong." We have to exterminate it from the face of China uh, within a certain amount of time. And wow. uh, so, so they started arresting people, detaining them illegally. And then at the same time, they, um, I guess this will lead into the early 2000s. You know, you started hearing things about organ harvesting, right? So that's, that was also the other thing that was happening to Falun Gong, then later on the Uyghurs. And uh, it's it, uh, simply put, it's basically, it was a war on a religious group or a faith group, like what they had done with Tibetans, uh, Christians in China and all of that. So that that's I don't know if that answered it, but that's like kind of kind of me trying to summarize it. What no, was the Chinese? Was sorry, what was the like the Chinese government like? Why didn't they like it? Because the way you explained <clears throat> to me sounds like it'd be pretty good. It was saving them hundreds of millions of dollars in their medical process. Like, why didn't they like it? So, the direct answer was because of jealousy, right? So I said the guy named Jun Zemin. Um, he was personally jealous because, like I said, there was about 100 million people in China at the time doing this practice. And they would be outnumbering the number of Communist Party members in China. Because mm -hmm. not everybody in China is a Communist Party member. To mm -hmm. be accepted into the party membership, you'd have to have some sort of an extraordinary uh, path or a, a future going for you kind of thing. right? So they picked the mm -hmm. best people. Um, so if you had a group that wasn't the CCP that had more command or authority, uh, even though Falun Gong doesn't really have like a religious organization, like you can come and go, there's no uh, payments or like membership prize and all of these things. So you could just come and go one day, right? But, but because of the, I guess you can say everybody believed in something other than communism, uh, yeah. that itself threatened the atheist uh, Chinese Communist Party. So that, that's, that would be the main reason. There's also some other reasons, uh, his personal jealousy of, 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 because you got to remember where Jiang came from, right? He ascended to the top echelon of power because of the heavy involvement with the Tiananmen Square massacre in 1989. He was one of the biggest beneficiary of that event because um, he was Incredible. he he showed that he was willing to execute uh, the, the brutality against the students, and and so that that's right. kind of like he 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 didn't really have a legitimacy and, and a lot of credibility within the party. Um, so he, he needed that something like Tiananmen Square again to improve his worthiness mm. in the party. So that was, that was another part of it. Um, but, but yeah, the, the main reason was jealousy. Okay. 
that seems to also be to be a pretty common theme when you uh, look back at other authoritarian regimes mm-hmm. that they want to remove things that give people identity and um, you know a, a, a sense of like group um, other than what the main party line is. Is there anything that you can do to eradicate sense of identity and another form of like togetherness is mm-hmm. is something that they seem to to hone in on. Um, you know, like you said, with with the Uyghurs, like I've I, I always wanted to hear and, and have been curious about like where that why that started. I mean, uh, is it the same same sort of motivation uh, with Falun Gong, or is that there's something else there? So, um, uh, if we go through the timeline, the earliest group was Tibetans in the 50s. Mm-hmm. They they essentially got invaded by the, the by the Chinese army. Uh, Dalai Lama had to flee from Tibet to India. And then it was um, the students in Tiananmen uh, after, you know, the, all the mainland Chinese people went through a bunch of political struggles. And then it was students in 1989, Falun Gong. And then the Uyghurs, the, the Uyghur thing is very much a continuous thing because uh, so China has 56 ethnic groups uh, of what they call different Chinese ethnic groups. The Uyghurs, they, they, they're considered much larger compared to some of the other ones. Uh, they resided in a region that was supposed to be autonomous. And um, so I know we're probably going to talk about the organ harvesting later, but I just kind of want to touch up on that because um, there was a huge amount of needs. That, that This is just my personal belief because I'm not really heavily investigated uh, or in, uh, researched into the Uyghur population. But one of the points I know is uh, after the large amount of Falun Gong practitioners were used as organ donor supplies for, for these people, they needed more. Uh, and the Uyghur population was a perfect uh, group because they were, I don't really know what the actual, because they wouldn't tell you why they're, uh-huh. they're, they're putting them into concentration camps. But mm-hmm. what I do think is uh, if you're already putting a group into concentration camps, uh, it, it wouldn't matter to them if they were utilized as organ supplies for more organ transplants out of China. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you, if if anything, from the the studies I've done on why they do it to Tibetans, Uyghurs, Falun Gong, it, it's simply like how throughout history religion has been persecuted. You know, you can argue about the bad things about religion, but the positive side of religion is that it always believed in a higher a higher order of things. And that mm-hmm. alone, I think, again, is threatens the communist ideology right. and the way of government. Because if you don't believe the party, you don't believe the government. And you choose to believe like Jesus or, you know, Muhammad, yeah. uh, uh, Muhammad the prophet, whatever your God is, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. itself is there's a huge contradiction between that and the CCP. Something greater than the CCP, basically. Yeah. Right. You can't you know, honestly. No. And honestly, man, you're, you're already talking about it. Like, let's let's get into the organ harvesting thing. Yeah. And while, while we have you on the subject, your your brain's already kind of heading down <laughs> that track. So, yeah, and I want to hear have, more about this. I've heard yeah. of this a little bit. Um, and it's like real big in like the black market, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not like a, a well, I guess, known thing. So, yeah, let's. Well, it's all about I mean, it. Well, Zach, what you mentioned is like it, it wasn't unique to China. I think many countries, uh, the criminal side of things, right, the gang side of things, like black market organ trade, that was mm-hmm. happening. What China did was they systematically created a system where the the police system, the hospital system, and the government uh, worked together 
to form this like production line of where the organs come from, how it's being sold, and who is it being sold to, and how are they going to get the transplant? All of it packaged into a streamlined system. So the thing you would hear would be somebody from Taiwan uh, going to like they need a, a kidney transplant. They hear that in in the, in mainland you can get one in two weeks.、Uh, so they go there, they get a whole. Tourism around it, right? You, you go to this particular place, you stay there for two weeks. The price is pretty decent, much cheaper than in the United States or Europe. And within two weeks, you get a new kidney. You come back and you're fine.、Uh, that, that's that's how it happens. But then the big question is,、uh, I don't know if you guys know the average wait time for the United States to get something like an organ transplant, but it's it's a very、yeah. long time.、Yeah. Many people die in the process of waiting, right?、Uh-huh. So if you can get something in in two weeks in China. Does that bring into question like how where that comes from or how many how many organs、right. do you have? Because the thing with organs is you can't just leave them out like on display.、Mm-mm. You have to they're freshly you know you put the person beside you, transfer the organ, and then that's it, right? You have a shelf life, exactly.、Mm-hmm. And then there's also considered another factor. Real quick is the organ you need blood match, you need tissue match,、mm-hmm. and if you don't have those, it rejects the in in the recipient's body. Yeah, the body、so、will kill it. Exactly. How many organs you'd have to pair with this person to get one that would match both?、Uh, so one guy, his name is、um, David Mattis. You might have heard of the name. He's a human rights lawyer from Canada. He says that the、uh, you'd have to have a ready-to-kill pool of donors,、uh, or like a slaughterhouse, and then they knew everybody's you know blood type, tissue type, all of that on record to be able to pick out the person and say this one matches you. And you can do it. So、uh, yeah, you don't have to have a list, a full that, list all the time. Yeah, that's scary. And I believe the United States is has at least some on levels、uh, outlawed going to China for organ transplant. Israel has been actually at the forefront of this,、um, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you guys have a follow up. But I'm just kind of rambling on about yeah, this. No, yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in anything you have to say about it for sure. It's interesting you brought up the list because, like. When you're talking about like they'd have to have so many organs, I was thinking they either have, they're either killing a ton of people all the time, and they just happen to go, hey, there's this person,、yeah. or there's just so many people dying all the time. But then you brought up the the list, like that actually makes way more sense, and that I guess would go into、uh, the Uyghurs, right? There,、mm-hmm. they would probably have all their information, and they would know exactly、yeah. like what their blood type is. And so when they're like, hey, I need a kidney O positive, roughly thirty years old. Male,、mm-hmm. whatever. Up,、oh, you you fit the bill.、Uh, you're well, I'm I'm executing you because you hate the party, and then they go on from there, or something like that. Is that kind of what you're getting at, or? Yeah, the so this this one lady,、uh, I heard her story. She was she she was in a prison in China, and then regularly they would get these、uh, they would get called to go do tests, right? Like blood tests and all these things. Like, cause you, if you're somebody who doesn't know what's happening, and you think you're in a prison, you're just getting these tests. You think like, that's just weird. Like, there's no,、uh, like, you don't think about what's going to happen to you. You just think that they somehow care about your health. Yeah. And then,、mm-hmm. but then when she, I guess, went out overseas,、uh, it kind of clicked with her, saying how like, if you're a prisoner, there's no reason for this, right? Uh, so the way that China has been defending against how the accusations have been leveled is, is saying that they all of their organ donations, at least in prison camps, come from death row prisoners. So people that get executed take their organs.、Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is China didn't have a state organ donation system until 
So from 2000, early 2000s <laughs> until 2015, you, you, you'd imagine there must have been, you know, how many hundreds of thousands of have, have died because of that. Uh, that. And that's just one part. And then there was, there's a, an organization, they're pretty interesting, pretty funny in my view. What they do is they have voice uh, disguises and they pretend to be people calling to China, like hospitals, and say, hey, I, I need an organ donation or a transplant. Can you arrange one for me? And the, the doctor's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 we can do it. Uh, and then uh, he will say that, oh, I need one from like Falun Gong practitioners. I heard they're pretty healthy. And then at first the doctor's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, like he, he doesn't say outright. And then so he repeatedly asks him, he's like, oh, you know, like I heard they have really good uh, organs, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes like, yeah, yeah, we can get you those that, that along those lines. And then you have like voice recordings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then with the Uyghurs, so a guy named Ethan Gutman, he does uh, research into this. He says, or he told me at least at an event, he uh, he says that besides the concentration camps, they would have these um, hospitals and then they would have a crematorium next to it. So uh, people th- that he talked to, he would see like smokes coming out of near like the hospitals, right? And then mm-hmm. you smell the burning flesh because if, if, if you've ever been next yep. to somebody you know that decay, decaying fleshy yes. smell that yeah you you know that somebody's uh, dead so uh all of this is like the issue with this is you can't go into china uh yeah and, and find out you can only you can't do so through exactly just like the COVID origin you'll never get the direct answer from the the, the, the communist party and you kind of just have to trust whether you think this is real enough right to believe well, it's interesting you said they hadn't done anything since like 2015. So before that, mm-hmm. they're just running rampant. But you said that these are death row inmates. They're people that are going to be executed. If it's a communist country, they'll just if you're a well, healthy individual and they don't really care about you regardless, then they'll just charge you with whatever they need to to put you on the death row, right? Like they're just like you committed a, this crime. It's against the party, so now you're on death row. Yeah, uh, the the amount the endless amount of reasons that you can be put on for a crime right uh death mm-hmm. row or just you know sentenced to something they, they can make up anything for you and uh i'll tell you something else too this was rather shocking to me uh now i believe it is extended like the organ harvesting thing has extended outside the prison system the concentration camp systems because there was uh there were videos that i saw on twitter uh, of young kids, like literally 13 to 15 year old boys, they came back in body bags and there were shots of them having um, like their organs carved out. So, so, uh. so this is now extended like into society. Um, and so, cause eventually you run out of people. Like it sounds mm-hmm. really bad, but eventually you run out of people. Uh, and so, that's where it gets scary. So I have two questions. Um, mm-hmm. When when 2020 was going on, yeah, I remember there was a video that circulated on social media, and it uh, you know it was subtitled. I don't speak Mandarin, so I had to trust the subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's these two men, and they're going in. It looks like um, you know some sort of underground you know, facility, essentially. Uh, and then they they end in a cutout where there's all of these bodies stacked on yeah. top of one another. Have you seen this video? I saw that. Yeah. Okay. My question is, you know, I never found out if that is, was real first off, but the implication at the time was that it was victims whose organs were harvested. Yeah. Um, and essentially they were just being stored in underground caverns or whatever. I mean, how, 
how much truth is there to that? Is that something that isn't true? You know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, uh, for that particular video, I know what you're talking about. I can't okay. confirm whether that's true or not, uh, no, but I'll sure. tell you, I'll tell you this, uh, human trafficking, child trafficking in China was a big issue when I was like three. It's mm-hmm. still a big issue now. Uh, it's going to be an issue going forward. There's uh, like the the whole thing with human trafficking in China. Uh, it, it's just so crazy. A lot of these, especially young boys, uh, mm-hmm. they, they get they get tra- they get trafficked, they kidnapped, and then their organs get taken out. Um, so it's it's really sad because last year there was a saying uh, in Chinese internet space how um, kids are like so so there's different age group classes, right? Older people, they went through a bunch of like political struggles, revolu- uh, cultural revolution, all that. Then the younger class now, they're facing all the struggle with the economy and all this. And then the kids, they thought the kids would be safe. But then no, the kids are also victims now because they're going to be like, you could lose your kid on the street. It could be kidnapped and then just killed off for their organs like that. Mm-hmm. So like, it's a very real issue. I just can't tell you whether that video was real or not. It yeah, looked no. pretty real to me. It, it, it did right. definitely look real to me though. Just, just the scale essentially is what I have always wondered if, you know, cause that the video is, is pretty dark. Um, mm-hmm. and not just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's scary and sad. Um, but that was my other question with this is, you know, human trafficking, obviously within China, China's, you know, very populated, a very big space, but you know, how much do you think of the human trafficking that it goes around there and for the organ harvesting comes from outside of China, other than just like Tibet, right? Mm-hmm. Or other countries around China. Do you think that there's a market that um, comes in from other countries, maybe even like Western countries? Are, are you talking about uh, people from other countries getting kidnapped or are you talking about right. going to them? Yeah, I, getting I, taken I, and taken to China, basically. I, I've heard stories of uh, people from like Viet, uh, Vietnam, from Myanmar, mm-hmm. or Burma, and and just countries around it, like especially Southeast right. Asia. And then mm-hmm. I've also heard the other side where they they go to Burma, go to Myanmar, and then they get uh, killed mm-hmm. there. So so there's Got like it, it's a whole messy situation, and that's mm-hmm. the issue. Like it reminds me of fentanyl, right? Because you know how China China's all like China right now is tr- saying, oh, we're going to work with the United States on fentanyl. Well, the thing is, they haven't been able to stop tr- uh, child trafficking in China, human trafficking in China. They haven't really tried anything. You got to remember, China has this whole vast surveillance network, right? Mm-hmm. If they try to locate somebody, they can do it instantly. There's no mm-hmm. reason to believe that China says we can't track down somebody who's been kidnapped. There's, right. They can find anybody. If they can find you when you tweeted something on Twitter in China, they can find you if you've lost somebody. So for them to mm-hmm. say that we're going to crack down on hum- uh, fentanyl uh, coming out of China to Mexico or human trafficking, child trafficking, organ trafficking, all these things, they just they don't want to do it because the biggest reason is Communist Party officials themselves have done organ transplants. This is something that benefits them. So anything that benefits the party, they will just shut one eye and pretend like it's not happening mm-hmm. uh, as long as it doesn't threaten their own safety and stability. They give out the perception like to the to, world that like, oh, we're going to help. But then they just, they do nothing. They do absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. No, they, they never do. Yeah. I, I'd like to make fentanyl its own you know subject and this right. conversation, right? And give it its own due. But I, that's something when you we were talking about like, the human trafficking, the southern border came up in my mind, the United States southern border. Yeah. Um, you know, how much do you think they're, they're actual like Chinese 
boots on the ground, so to speak, at least below the American southern border, whether in Mexico or other areas where, you know, fentanyl is being produced and then and moved up into the United States. Do you think that there are actual Chinese boots on the ground teaching like how to make this and, you know, would it have some sort of hand in human trafficking? With the I, cartels? I know th- See, the, the CCP is smart. They wouldn't mm-hmm. – so they're uh, – I made a video the other day comparing them to like a mafia organization. Uh, I remember but that one. You, you, don't, you don't see the, the, the mafia bosses do the dirty work, right? Like doing mm-hmm. the fentanyl work. They know that the cartel has an extensive criminal system with drug trafficking and all of that. All they need to do is supply the, the ingredients to make it. Uh, but right. I know you can, you also touched on the southern border because you have, you know, the, uh, there was a record level of Chinese migrants coming across, right? That, that's mm-hmm. also another issue and it alarmed a lot of people. Um, but, but I personally think the, with the drug side, they, they're just doing the business. But, but they know that as long as they can keep the supply, it's going to mm-hmm. eventually kill many in the United States. And that's mm-hmm. a long-term goal. Uh, with the people, you know, the migrants, I would say that that's largely because of the economy. The people mm-hmm. that are making the, the dangerous journey through like Central America and up, uh, many of them have like been critical of the CCP. So if they stayed in China, they would die. So these are people that have fled and then they're they're using the weakness of the southern border to try and get in the United States. with Kind of some of the avenues, unofficial avenues that exist. Got you. Yeah. Well, okay. like it's another way to expo- exploit, right? Because if you if you can't because you can't really leave China right now if you, mm-hmm. you can't have a direct flight to the United States, uh, so the only way for them is somehow make it inland, uh, seek refuge, gotcha. and if they get approved. Understood. Okay. Yeah. No. So um, I saw earlier today this this one I was really excited to ask you about is this this potential coup that you were talking yeah. about this Prigozhin style thing that we saw in Russia potentially with the the rocket team like you said yeah. Um, would you expand on that? Because I mean, this is something that Zach and I have talked about before. You know, is is I you know I hate to see chaos around the world, even though it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and c- certainly if there was a coup in China, there'd be massive chaos and loss of life. But um, honestly, that seems to be about the only way the CCC- CCP would be stopped as some sort of coup. Um, you know, so can you yeah go into that? I want to hear about that. So first of all, I'll make the disclaimer right now because again, it, it's still a rumor, but it's one where you have substantial information available now. That's why mm-hmm. I knew about this about three weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. I, or two weeks ago. I haven't made anything until today. So China's uh, in 2015, they created this thing called the Rocket Force. Basically, they mm-hmm. oversee nuclear missiles, uh, strategic uh, missiles like intercontinental, mid-range, and all of these things, uh, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the team, so the generals who uh, in the past saw the team, so it's from 2015 onward, uh, the current uh, generals that are in command, all of them are, they, they've been all involved in this anti-corruption investigation. So for those of you who don't know, anti-corruption is a, it's a synonym for basically uh, you and I, so Xi Jinping's political enemies got caught doing something. And this is like they're going through an investigation mm-hmm. to find out how much corruption they have gone through. In reality, right. it's just to eliminate them, right? Uh, so th- they've been detained. They're being questioned. At the same time, there are a, there's, there's a former um, Rocket Force general who allegedly hung himself uh, okay. because of work stress, because of family issues. That's what they are claiming. 
And then there's also mm. the Chinese version of the Secret Service. He was also a former head of that. So the Secret Service okay. of the CCP, they over they they see the protection of Xi Jinping and all of the people in the party. Uh, he also died a very mysterious death. And then the days coincide, like so. So they all died kind of around the same time. But then the the announcement for the death didn't happen until like recently. And then so today I saw the South uh, the South Maybe China he was morning. paddleboarding. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe he drowned from like the apartment. Uh, no, like I, I, I had some pictures on Twitter. They, he lives in like a really nice, like a uh, single story home in China. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Uh, and, and then like, they're saying how it's a family issue, but like his, his grieving wife is clearly like, she just looks so devastated. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like, it doesn't make sense. And he hung himself, right? He's already retired. Uh, and he's like from work stress, like all the reasons doesn't make sense. Anyways, so uh, so the reason why this is this is a potential coup is because we used to think that my, my light is kind of flickering. Uh, we used to think that the Xi Jinping uh, third term was full grasp of power on the military and on all of the political parts, right? And now it doesn't right. look like that. There's like shakiness, and then so the reason I bring up Progosian is because uh, the military is supposed to be the most loyal to Xi Jinping, and now is the one that's that's kind of shaking. Uh, and it really calls into power. And the reason is, uh, according to this uh, former insider of the military, he says that uh, the reason is they don't want to cooperate on invading Taiwan. Uh, uh-huh. And and so Xi Jinping obviously can't have that. He's going to purge everybody inside of it. There's also other issues with leaking intelligence to Americans. Uh, big no-no. And uh, aside from that, the the big issue to watch going forward is if we see an announcement of all these generals stepping down or getting uh, get getting kind of you know weeded out into criminal uh, judgments, and that would tell us that there's a purge. But then that also brings out the scary part, which is will he try to install more people who's you know loyal to him? And uh, what's actually going to happen is if he doesn't decide to invade Taiwan and he doesn't have absolute loyalty in the party. Uh, it could backfire on him, and the, you know the army could turn back and, and arrest him or things like that. So there's possibilities. So my question with that is: is mm-hmm. Xi Jinping is not a is not a dumb person, and right. there's an, there are enough examples from history of leaders surrounding themselves by yes men and just people mm-hmm. who are going to tell them what they want to hear. You know, Xi has to know that the more people he eradicates and goes after that have this, you know, the upper echelons of military leadership, you know, the more he's just going to hear what people think he wants to hear and he's not going to get the best information. Right. So my question is to you is how do you know, how does he think that pop that is going to work out for him? Like, obviously you're not him, but like speculating, like how does he think that's even going to work out for him when it's never worked out in the past or other people? Yeah. I think that's the, the dictator mentality, though, is mm-hmm. they they think that by eliminating everything, uh, that it's just gonna turn out right. Well, mm-hmm. like you said, it, it never works. I think you just formed it pretty well. It's I think in the end, it's always it, it bites themselves back, uh, shoot themselves in the foot because mm-hmm. uh, what what loyal, loyalty as a definition is like it's supposed to stem from the heart, right? You agree with this person's ideology or his, mm-hmm. his or hers her values. But it doesn't come from you being afraid of, fearful of this person. Mm-hmm. And that's what really she is, is, is ruling on is the idea of total fear and, and total loyalty based on that. And, um, but I'll tell you one thing, though. The, 
this is what the CCP has been really successful in is uh, brainwashing. They, they've created enough loyalty through just simply corrupting the minds. Uh, communism mm-hmm. just does that. And, and it, it, so they have some people that are really just dumb enough to believe that that's what's going to happen. So we have to follow Xi. You know, we got to go take Taiwan. We got we to gotta dominate the world next step. We got to kill the United States uh, in their power and then restore, you know, the, the rightful CCP World Center and all of these things. So I, I wouldn't bet on everybody kind of, kind of, you know, not following him. But I also would think that there is bound to be some oppositions. We're, we're seeing the tip of the iceberg on that now. And then that's dangerous for him. I feel like the more he goes through and just cuts limbs off this tree, you know, the a more he's going to lose some of that military prowess and strategic thinking mm-hmm. and in turn kind of speed up the lifespan that of yeah. his dictatorship. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of that is wild to think about what sort of balance must exist there with you have you're just you're never going obviously you're never going to eradicate all sort of opposition because you're never going to know who has right. opposition in their brain but he's got to know that his time becomes more limited the more he starts cutting people off and creating a, an echo chamber around him and yeah. you know i've always wondered why people think that that's going to work out for them and it's the same thing you know people do people do dumb stuff over and over again even though they've seen somebody else do it and they think it's going to work out for them differently this time um, well, you know, my, the the nickname mm-hmm. for Xi Jinping is the Great Accelerator because he's, mm-hmm. he's accelerated the amount of things, <laughs> destruction uh, yeah. for, for the CCP by like decades in, in one go. So. Mm-hmm. But I think I think the touch on what you're kind of getting at there, Brandon, is like dictators only go out one of two ways. They either die mm-hmm. in power or they get killed. Like they're not. Yeah. There's not like a retirement plan. Like he's he, <laughs> dictator you know, he, island. Yeah, he's not going to – there's no stepping down from his position. He either right. is going to die while there or die while there. Like it's like good death yeah. to him or bad death to him, right? Exactly. Um, but I, I think he's I, – I would I would assume he's trying to balance that because um, he, he time is not on his side. He has to – like he's – He's older, right? I don't know his exact yeah. age. He's like what, like sixty something, seventy something? He, he's seven. Oh. He's he's seventy something, I believe. Yeah. So um, he's he's not got much time left before. Yeah, he's exactly seventy. He doesn't have much time yeah. left until he can actually start. Like he needs to invade Taiwan soon. He needs yeah. to, and not just because of his age, but because of China itself and like their future. Like um, there's a lot of things that is not on his side. So. He kind of needs all the yes men now so he can yeah. accomplish his goal. But if the goal doesn't work, he knows he's dead anyways. So it's kind of like a, I think he's just putting everything in at once and hoping that it just works. And he doesn't really care what happens on the path there so long as he goes down in history as like the greatest Chinese leader ever or whatever. Puts a stamp on no, it. That's, that's exactly what it is. And that's why, you know. The next two years is the most dangerous because one's so uh, I believe that she to get his third term in power, he had to promise the entire party line that he is going to resolve the Taiwan issue uh, in his time. And like you said, in 70, uh, we, we see what an aging leader does to a country. It they're not in control anymore, right? And no matter if you're a dictator or an elected president or, you know, anybody, once you reach a certain age, right? We have a 90-year-old senator in the United States. 
and you know she's she's being told to just say yes on a bill that's yeah. not that's not leadership right. like i don't care if you know no. you think that's like democrat or republican puppetry uh, mitch mcconnell was having an episode yeah. well right? like that's an age, age issue like you said zach like at, at a certain point she is going to also face that issue but the problem is uh brendan you said that, that there's nobody around him that he may put so much trust in or can put trust in uh, those that he put trust in got eliminated, like Chingan, one of his closest uh, aides, yeah. just got you know ousted. I saw that. So, so there's there's a there's a lot of internal opposition to him, right? And and so he's really in a place that he could go extreme in, in one or two years, or he just simply die trying, or you know maybe he doesn't accomplish. Obviously, if he doesn't accomplish, that's best for the world. But if he does try, uh, it's going to come pretty soon. So what do you think the likelihood of either a, yeah, there's, there is some sort of coup attempt, whether successful or otherwise, or everyone around him kind of just just nods and says yes, but kind of prevents, you know, World War Three from happening until he does just one way or the other finds the exit. Uh, What do you think the likelihood? That's a really good question. I personally think the chance of him, uh, the chance of him getting out from a coup is mm-hmm. actually lower than him dying. Uh, here's okay. the reason why: the a, a coup in China would never be the same way as you running to Beijing with a gun and pointing at Xi and shoots him. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. it, it would be. It would have to be multiple different smaller parts of people with, mm-hmm. like, you'd have to have five or seven Prigozhin's. Uh, who all at the same time are fed up and have enough power to do so. Now, mm-hmm. the I mentioned China has a whole surveillance system, right? Mm-hmm. And then the second layer, so, so the first layer is they know what you're doing all the time. The second layer is uh, everyone in the CCP is kind of like they're all partners in crime. So if, if they lose the system where, which they're profiting from, whether that they're getting a lot of money or power or both or uh, whatever, they want to maintain that. So there, there's always more people who want to maintain what's currently you know, benefiting them. A- uh-huh. And so it's much harder. But the reason I say age is because if you remember when, when Mao died, the cultural revolution ended following his death. When uh-huh. uh, Deng died or at his very end of his, uh, his career, he stepped down. Uh, China went through like different changes. And when, when, so each leader, once they truly step down, that's, that's when things actually change. And so for the first 10 years, for example, Xi Jinping, he had to fight through a lot of that former, his predecessors put it, put through, uh, before he can grab onto all the complete control and things like that. So I see it's more realistic for him to end in, in, you know, him dying and then China changing rather than a coup. Uh, but that's just because I have been in China and I'm not, you know, inside the mm-hmm. CCP. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but yeah. from just my perspective, I think it's more likely that way. I think you're right, though, with what you're saying. Yeah. Like, because, I mean, China's not North Korea. But if you, like, look at North Korea, North Korea is just extremely ex- extreme when it comes to dictatorship, communism, all that type of stuff. And yeah. pretty much everyone in North Korea, uh, if you're not on board with – if you're not, like, ratting on your neighbors, if you're not – on board with the whole thing, then you get eliminated pretty quickly and you don't get like the stuff you need. China's not that extreme, but I would assume that it's similar to where even if you had a a coup, it'd be kind of difficult because you would start talking about it. Maybe there'd be a little bit of planning, but then one of those people is going to go, no, you're against us. 
and then it's yep. all destroyed and it's outed and then they purge it and then it would take months years again for it to even start growing back so exactly yeah i i i think one last point real quick is um there's always this idea that uh China is so China is communist, right? That they they study communism, Marxism, Leninism, all of that in schools. They have a communist party, but then this is some point people may not understand. It's not just communism. They they have elements of fascism. They have elements of like totalitarianism, authoritarianism. It's whatever evil way uh, that can better fit to control people they will use. So they've essentially gathered all of the bad things that's happened in history and combined it and then use the communist context to kind of realize it, right? Because no other communist state in the history has had enough power, economic uh, economy, military to realize it. even Soviet, the Soviet Union in its like heydays uh, was not as powerful as China today. So nobody had the opportunity that China has. That's what makes the Communist Party so dangerous is because they have the resources, the human population, uh, the, the, the scale to do things that uh, nobody would be able to do. And that's really dangerous, I think. So I uh, was having this conversation with somebody the other day, kind of what you're talking about, that this isn't just a repeat of the Soviet and American Cold War. Yeah. Mainly because the Chinese are not the Soviets. Uh, in a lot of different ways. And you, you really hit on the biggest one is their ability to produce. And the mm-hmm. uh, Soviets just didn't have that capability. <clears throat> but the question that we kind of got into the most is, I almost feel like Soviets as a whole, like as a people, they had more belief in that Soviet cause than it mm-hmm. seems that the Chinese have yeah. in the CCP cause. And in my opinion, that's that's a big factor. You can't discount that. You have to have the following of all of these people yeah. to be successful. You know, you can have, you know, it, let's use Formula One, right? You, you, you can have this amazing car, but if Max Verstappen is not behind it, you're not going to win, right? And, and Max exactly. would be all, all the people, right? So, I mean, would you agree? Is that something that, you know, how much dis- dissent is there with the Chinese people with what the CCP because I see a lot, and I feel like there is a lot. But, I mean, from yeah. you, your perspective, how much dissent do you really think there is with the Chinese people versus the CCP? No, you're, you're, that's a really important uh, point you made there. China has one billion more uh, people. So if you say that uh, generalizing that everybody is dissenting, that wouldn't be right. To say right. that every, nobody is dissenting, that wouldn't be right. Well, the truth is, I believe, is that um, the younger generation today – they are less in tune with the communist stuff. Uh, they're more in tune with the realistic view of society. These people grew mm-hmm. up, especially, you know, kids in their fi- uh, 10s and 20s, they grew up during the pandemic era. They grew up during this current, th- this technological right. era. They know what the world is like. They're, that's why uh, last year they had the whole white paper revolution. Young people came out on the street and they, they were protesting against the COVID measures. Um, and then... So here I, I talk about this thing called the Iron Fist of the Communist Party. What it does is, is like imagine a giant fist, like a hammer just crushes you, right? Uh, in, the, in the early days, their main target were the, the, the working class people. Uh, and those people got older, right? So now they've gone through the entirety of the of oppression of communism. And then the, the people growing up during like the 80s and 90s felt like, oh, there was a sense of hope. 
And then boom, 1989 comes around. The students get crushed by tanks. And then, you know, the 90s, the 2000s happened. People again saw hope for like 20 years. So every time there was a little bit of hope, uh, somebody like a CCP leader comes in and say, nope, and then just crushes them, right? So under Xi, like the the extreme censorship, surveillance, all of that, uh, it's crazy. So I think more and more people are being fed up, but then also different generations of people are being fed up. So if we can somehow connect each generation uh, and that's why I think them being able to climb the firewall and learning uh, about all the stuff outside is so important. So they can piece together the puzzle and really form a, a, a great understanding like what you guys and I are able to do outside of the firewall about why the CCP is bad for them. If they can string it all together, I think their 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 hatred or their dissent uh, would make sense for themselves. Because right now I think a lot of people are, are fearful, angry, fed up. But they just don't seem to know who they should be angry about. Is it shooting Ping? You know, is it the police? Is it somebody in the government? Right? They, they don't really mm-hmm. have a pinpoint yet. I wanted to to go back of, to what you. Yeah, uh, so I was gonna to go back to what. Sorry, sorry, Brandon. Go ahead. <laughs> to go back to what you were saying about that, mm-hmm. like glimmer, that glimmer of hope, and it getting mm-hmm. taken away, like. I, I read somebody essentially postulate one time that the reason why that is is because, and, and please correct me where I'm incorrect, right? That mm-hmm. the Chinese, their the Chinese culture is extremely old. It's much older than the majority of other cultures around the world. They see themselves essentially as the center of the world. Yeah. Um, is that where that comes from? Is this just long heritage of, um, you know, seeing them, the Chinese seeing themselves as this like the global center of everything and they keep trying to shut out the West and other influences because they see them as the being the, the, what should be the predominant quote unquote theme around the world. Mm-hmm. Where, where does that come from motivationally? So a uh, great question. It goes back to uh, a lot of people have this misunderstanding that, that the CCP wants to sort of go back to the, you know, the, the dynasties of China. It wants to be emperors, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're simply propagandizing that aspect of China because you got to remember after the Cultural That's Revolution right. in the sixties and seventies, all Chinese traditions and history were erased. So they were they were severed. So the the people today, whatever they can read about history, whatever they're they're being told, have all been editorialized for the f- sake of making the CCP look great. So. Mm-hmm. They're simply using the historical mandate that the things of the past to justify their current actions. Uh, but it, uh, uh, so back in, in, in like the different dynasties, right? You had this idea of ruling by uh, virtue, ruling by the mandate of heaven. That mm-hmm. mandate of heaven was not today's version or interpretation of it. It was they genuinely believed to be a benevolent ruler. You had to follow the words of the heaven, the, the, the heavenly emperor. So the, right. the, 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 the divinely appointed person had the right to rule, not because, you know, they were um, privileged or sorry, the background. Uh, they had the privilege, but it was because they had the benevolent traits, the virtue, uh, the ability to be to care for people. Uh, so what, what I think has happened is they flipped it around. They're saying now is. For us to gain back the mandate of heaven, we must conquer the world. Only then can we mm. restore that. Uh, and uh, they always say, you know, like China is the like middle kingdom. like a new history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they say that China is the middle kingdom, right? It was mm-hmm. true. Back then, you know, countries like 
the Silk Road, everybody went to China because China was prosperous. So they went there right. and, and traded and things like that. Uh, but, but China that during that time was not the same as now. Now what they're doing is like things like the Belt and Road Initiative uh, with Russia, with uh, countries, they're using money to buy influence. They're, they're using military ambition to threaten people. Uh, this mm-hmm. was not China back then was very inward. It was all about like internal struggles, like dynasties and things like that. They never really reached out. Right. Uh, the the only time that, that they really had anything outwards was against like people in the north, like the Mongolians, uh, the people in, in like the Huns, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the uh, I think, uh, yeah, the Japanese, but uh, like Koreans. And then down south, they had the the uh, Southeast Asia used to be part of China. So I think mm-hmm. it, it's a very twisted understanding of that. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if that made sense. It makes a lot of sense. You know the the other part part of this too is you brought up about um, you know China is, was used to be very very introverted. Mm-hmm. My my thought is that, and I've thought about this before, is that they are still very intro, introverted. It's just now they have started almost trying to brand themselves. Or and and market themselves um, to market their own version of global uh, hegemony, right? Yeah. And that seems to be what it is. That it's still very uh, China centric. It's still very introverted, but in a more uh, insidious way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a. Does that make sense? It was like branding themselves as a replacement, almost. Does yeah. that make sense? Well, There's no. There won't be any diversion from the Chinese way, but other people should have it essentially. Exactly. No, that's what they're trying to create the alternative world order, right? Uh, they don't say it. It's it's the Chinese way, but they make it like they're saying, oh, it's with Chinese characteristics. It's mm-hmm. more like with communist characteristics. But uh, the, the whole idea is that they say um, our version of so they also have their own versions of democracy, uh, mm-hmm. elections, you know, things like uh, capitalism, and all of that. Uh, but they're saying our definition of democracy is and human rights is better than your version. And mm-hmm. so they they twist the definition of democracy. Everybody knows democracy, majority rules, whatnot, simplest term, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're saying, oh, well, China elected Xi Jinping with 4,000 votes in the People's uh, National People's Congress. He has 90% mm-hmm. approval rate. That's true democracy, right? But then we all know that that's, that's, that's not how it works. You know, you have to Correct. have... You have to have actual elections. You have to have people that are, you know, elected to the position and you have to have a constitution above everything else. But guess mm-hmm. what? In China, the party is above the constitution, all these things. Anyways, just to give an, an example. Uh, but the reason also why they need the alternative world order is because it's the only way to, for them to legitimize what they're doing. Otherwise, they're just seen as an invasion to the mm-hmm. existing peaceful world, right? The United States after World War II has essentially been, you know, for, for good or bad, the, the peacekeeper for the world. You know, the, mm-hmm. there's a lot of criticisms that we always get here. Oh, you guys invaded the Middle East. You guys, you know, involved in all right. these things. Uh, but if the right. United States wasn't there for World War One and Two, we would be under or maybe not the North America, but maybe, you know, Europe would be under Nazi occupation. Asia will be under Japan occupation. We mm-hmm. would have a whole different world. Uh, so it, it's like people just think that America is just all bad. Like there's <laughs> negative negatives about America. Uh, but I'm saying is if we don't, sure. we didn't have America, we'd have communism on the East and we just have, you know, fascism or whatever else on, on the West. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking, you know, that. Uh, so they need legitimacy. That's what they need. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like it's well, Zach. I want to give you the opportunity to ask you the question you or let you ask the question you want to ask real quick before I segue into where he's headed. So, I feel like I wasn't I wasn't going to ask you a question. I was just going to kind of touch on uh, what you were saying earlier, Brandon, about how like you you said the Russians they felt way more the Soviets at least they felt way more invested mm-hmm. in what was going on right. than the Chinese. Um, and then you kind of talked about it, David, about how like they had like their heavenly leader, right? I was just mm-hmm. going to touch on, I think that kind of comes down. We, we talked a little bit in the beginning, like the Chinese, they're pushing mostly like atheism. Like there yeah. is not a God. There's like all type of stuff. Right. And I think because the people today, they don't have like a belief in a heavenly thing. They only can believe in the party or they can only yeah. believe in G they're not going to have the same like motivation or I guess backing or I guess self support for than like the Russians did. It's like the Russians were like, like yeah. 70%, 80% of all the Soviets were like Orthodox Christians. Orthodox. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, oh, like, yeah. They, still, they still had a huge religious backing behind their, like their country. So they had like mm-hmm. that, I guess the internal worth. And I think it's that's like what you're kind of getting at. Yeah. Purpose. No. Yeah. Higher calling. I think it's you're kind of getting at too, David. It's like the current generation is growing up like the technology jump, all type of stuff. You're saying they're mad, but they don't know who they're mad at. Well, they're also they don't know who to properly seek for like guidance or exactly or other stuff because they're just lost entirely. They don't have yeah. Whether you believe in a god or not, uh, the religion. If they had like a religious reach out, they probably would be able to come to like I guess collectively a better solution. So yeah. No, what you said was perfect because uh, the whole thing with like the, the 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 craze with like the meditations and stuff was because for so long the Chinese people didn't have a religion. They're like they're like because throughout Chinese history, people have always believed in gods, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, the, the idea of not believing in something spiritual or like godly was just like you. It was not Chinese tradition. So like for, yeah. for there was an empty void that people wanted to fill. That's why it gained so much popularity. And then CCP is like, nope, you got to stay atheist. I mean, it's fine. Like it's fine if you you're atheist, but at least you got to have a choice to be able to choose, right? And mm-hmm, when you yeah. don't have that choice, it's like uh, you're missing a part of the spiritual journey, whether to realize you're you know you're an atheist or a Christian or not. Um, and and uh, what that does to people, I think, in my view, is uh, you're missing a part of the psychological aspect. Because one exactly. one thing I my view of religion is that it gives you a moral restraint, so you don't do things like you don't go out and murder people for fun. You don't commit sins because not not for the sake of you trying to, you know, for other people, but for yourself to be like morally and to be morally mm-hmm. sane, to be at a level where you can control yourself certain ways. Right. That's why you know I I just always thought the the war on religion, whether that's in America or anywhere else. It's an attack on humanity, really, or morality in general. Because a lot of times, back in the day, especially, because you guys probably all know this, uh, the people that taught education, the people that taught how to characters about a person and its development, were you know church priests and mm-hmm. monks and stuff. They were, these mm-hmm. were the wisest people, right? Yeah. Uh, in China, they killed all the monks with the wise, uh, the wisdom, and then you know now the, the, all the churches have been there's corrupted churches and all of that. The goal is really the same. It's just remove the human barriers, to, uh, the restraints that keep us uh, civilized, in my view. Uh, China's done a – communist China's done a great deal to do that. And uh, I think that's what you said, Zach, uh, really, really – that that point I really agree with. Yeah, because it, it comes down to it, if you think about it, like 
like so um I'm out of all my siblings I'm the I'm the only one who's still religious who like believes mm-hmm. in a religion that type of stuff and I have conversations all the time with like one of my younger brothers who and, and I'll ask him okay so if you don't have a religion like where's your morality come from right and he was like, well, I just, you should just be a good person. It's like, okay, but right. your idea of a good person came from religion, whether you're religious or not. And if we didn't have like a religious morality backing, um, then at the end of the day, we'd be no different than like a chimpanzee or like a, like a lion. Like they don't have morality. They just murder yeah, exactly. each other and they just <laughs> do what they need to do to survive. And yeah, we're still technically animals on this little blue dot, but we have the ability to be spiritualized, right. Yeah. And to have that higher morality and stuff. And it, people who, and you could be whatever you want. I don't care if you're atheist or religious or whatever. And again, like you said, they should have the choice. Um, yeah. But uh, if you remove that choice, then you, you, you remove the morality. And I think that's, it, it can go back to the, to the organ transplant thing. The, exactly. The, yeah. The communist party is perfectly fine with just murdering other human beings and selling off their stuff. Cause there's nothing morally telling them it's bad. They're exactly. just like, yep. it's perfectly fine. We can just keep doing this cause it's for the better of all, but they don't realize that their betterment of all is actually hurting all. It's not, it's not a good thing. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. It, not to, not to tangent too hard, but what you said <laughs> about, you know, the, the psychological piece, I feel like this is uh, religion or some sort of spirituality. The, the purpose and finding meaning is something that man needs, right? Mm-hmm. So the CCP is never going to be successful at eradicating that because you can push and push it down as much as you want. But eventually, because like you said, David, that that's a psychological thing that humans need, it will always find a way to come back. And, you know, the CCP presenting itself as an alternative to that by making everybody atheists and making the CCP this believe in me and believe in what we say, you know, ultimately, it's kind of like you're only going to see a backfire in that eventually the way I, I see that yeah. right? by trying to replace man's need for purpose and man's need for meaning. Right. Not to get too Victor Frankel here, but. You know, the yeah. CCP is it's only going to fail in that. So I, North Zach, Korea I think did a really good job yeah. doing that. North Korea combated that by making their leaders gods. Yeah. Like Kim Jong-un is a god. Kim Jong-il is a god. Um, and then yeah. they actually just took like the Christian Bible and rewrote it. And it's like Kim Jong-il is Jesus. Like yeah. it's that's how they combat it's it. True. They, went, they went, oh, we, we understand that humans need a belief. Okay, they'll believe in the dear leader because they're all gods. They don't poop. They don't do anything weird. They're not humans. Like, well, right, cool. China, China <laughs> now has a – if you go to like one of those churches, they'll hang Xi's portrait and Mao's portrait next to the cross. Oh, like North and Korea. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and they're also like rewriting the Bible and things like that. So it's like you, you're – Really? What uh, are they, what are they, how are they rewriting the Bible? Well, I, I hear this. I haven't, uh, so I don't know what they actually rewrote, but I do know that, um, like, for example, uh, so with the monks, like Buddhists, uh, you had to register with like a Buddhist, like association, like with a party, right? And the Buddhists mm-hmm. all had to carry like badges say, you know, we're proud communist mem- uh, party members before, like, so they're, they're basically, they're all managed, right? Uh, with the Christians, there's actually uh, this organization they do, uh, I, I spoke with them once. Uh, they basically try to humanize Jesus in a way that, 
like strip his you know his his divinity his, divinity. Yeah. <laughs> his, right. his, his divinity yeah and then like kind of hint like the only god can save you is is mao who you know came with with the revolution changed china and things he like that he had his own book too right yeah, well, yeah. The, the, uh, like the you said, in North book. Korea, the, the Mao's craze was, uh, the, the call of personality, uh, was that everybody had a little red book. In the, mm-hmm. So it's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> I heard this from a from a, an uncle. Uh, so every morning you get up, you read uh, Mao's little book, and then you make a mm-hmm. reflection. And then, you know, you got to report to the local officials. And then at lunchtime, you got to say, oh, you know, I came to this enlightenment through Mao's uh, lectures on blah, 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 whatever. And then before bed at nighttime, you got to come back to the person. You give another reflection. Right? It's like you're, you're doing a Bible study on, on, you on know, communism. Your, your, exactly. <laughs> and like how, how, how like on, on how pious you are towards the, the communist Mm-hmm. demon right and it, it's like who who does that nobody goes and reports to somebody for three times a day and say oh yeah i enlightened to something because of this a, a communist thing it, it's That's, pretty funny it, it sounds, sounds like it, living in some sort of it sounds like living in some sort of cult or an abbey or a monastery. And I've said it before on this podcast and I'll say it again, that human beings will find a way to religionize literally anything because there is that psychological need to have some sort of higher authority, whatever it is, whether it's ideology, whether it's religion, whether it's political power, it's always there. And it defeats the whole promise of communism, right? Which is like, apparently Mm -hmm. everybody's supposed to be equal, but somehow every time, one guy rises above everybody else and says, "Hey, I'll lead Through you magic. Guys there." <laughs> the, the magic. Exactly. I'm, not, I'm not equal to it's you because like, I'm a yeah, god. Yeah. Hey, exactly, you're, and you're nothing. So give me all That's your right. money, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would like. I want to go back to you know talking about China's influence, and uh, yeah. obviously, I want to hear about what what the reality behind BRICS is and the mm-hmm. purpose of the gold-backed yuan. So it, very simply put, the yuan itself isn't a uh, convertible currency. So what that means mm-hmm. is if you took the yuan and you made it convertible, uh, mm-hmm. meaning it can be freely traded, then the value of yuan, we don't know how much it actually is valued at because the CCP right. controls the, the rate of it, right? Uh, then instantly what's going to happen is you'd see people draw money from the bank and turn it into the U.S. dollar because mm-hmm. the yuan, again, it has no credit-backed system like the United States has for so long, it doesn't have the good credits. Uh, and because China has for the longest time artificially manipulated the value, there's really no way for you to tell whether that's worth anything. Now, the reason why it works in the brick system is because it's kind of like a poker chip. So mm-hmm. if, if I'm China and you're Russia, right, and you want to yeah. buy something from me, what I can do is I can give you this token and I can say, you can use this to trade with me from now on. When you when you give this to me, you don't have to you don't have to worry about you know changing it to to U.S. dollars. But mm-hmm. then the thing is, if if China wants to do something with another country that doesn't take yuan, they still have to trade in the U.S. dollar. So basically, what I'm trying to say is, the yuan is itself doesn't have any value. If it's really trying to go into the international system, it eventually still ends up in the U.S. dollar system, anyways. So the whole talk about it being able to replace the U.S. dollar, mm-hmm. it's at, at least right now impossible. Hyperbolic? Hyperbolic. But it does work as a token within countries that do accept it. Uh, mm-hmm. But, for example, your explanation you had, of it being a casino and like yeah. chips made perfect sense. Like, <laughs> I was like, duh. 
Like that, that, that works. Yeah. Cause like so, poker chips mean they have no value outside yeah, the exactly. casino. They mean exactly. nothing. And, and another thing to note is every country in the last few months that has said to accept the yuan as the alternative, if you go dig up through what, what's been happening in their country, they're either low on the U.S. dollar reserve, so they have no more U.S. dollar foreign cash to, to spend, or they have really bad economy and they can no longer sustain the amount of imports that they're getting without resorting to an alternative uh, from that of the U.S. dollar. Mm. And because what they're trying to do is China's trying to make this alliance with uh, countries that, you know, Argentina, Brazil, uh, Brazil Saudi Arabia, scary. like a lot of the countries that they want to ally with, they, they all belong to that kind of like on the fence countries. Like there are other countries that if China and the United States went to a war, these countries would kind of be like on the fence. Like they don't really know who to go to. Mm -hmm. uh, these countries, when China give them a little bit of incentive, they're very, very easily swayed. So they will go to China when they see there's economic incentives. That's why countries like the Philippines for a very long time, uh, they were very pro-China because China gave them a lot of money. But now they're turning to the United States because they see that, hey, we actually need a stable partnership in the region. Now, the BRICS, I think, is losing a lot of steam because I know India is, uh, he's, uh, they're opposing the creation of, of a, I believe, uh, some sort of currency because mm -hmm. India in recent days also again moved to the United States. The, the danger is whether or not uh, it attracts more like-minded countries in the BRICS, uh, that w then it becomes such a large thing that the mm -hmm. United States has no way other than to engage with that part of the world. And in mm -hmm. doing so, at that point, would the Uni United States have to say, oh, we might have to some sort of resort to like, you know, using the yuan for some, some things. But I hope it doesn't come to that. That's why. I was really happy that Trump's trade war was going through some places uh, because it showed that the American dominance in, in full swing. I wish, like, I'm not even trying to be like pro-Trump, but I really wished if Trump's <laughs> second term was happening, the one point that was going to go uh, forward that was really going to be impressing everybody would be the second phase of the trade war. Because that would, I think, blow everything off. I, I think we can talk about the, the Biden-Trump policies uh, a little bit, if you guys don't mind, because no, hundred percent. I um, Trump was the first U.S. president that fundamentally changed the the, the China strategy, right? Mm -hmm. You had from essentially from Richard Nixon all the way down to Bush forty three. Uh, they all maintained that so called engagement policy with China. Play mm -hmm. nice with mm -hmm. China, you get something back. Uh, but then what Trump did was to essentially say that to protect our own trade interests. Uh, we're going to level these uh, tariffs on you, and in turn, you're going to you know, do fair things with us. Right? That fundamentally changed the game. Uh, now, Biden, for some reason, before this year, was largely continuing Trump's policies on, mm -hmm. on certain aspects. I was very yep. happy, actually, with, Trump, or with Biden's uh, continuation of Trump policies. But then starting this year, I don't know if they've run out of, out of the, the, the blueprints or you know, if they're trying to innovate or something, but it's going back to that 40 years of engagement again. And, and then that's, that's where I started like criticizing them more because I'm like, you know, you encourage people to do the right things for a long time. Uh, but now they're really pivoting away from that. I think it's just getting close to election time. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> right. You can't be too tied to Trump policies. Yeah. So, exactly. So one of the things that you brought up in your talk, what you were saying about bricks was India. And I'm really glad you did because, uh, 
I, I've said a lot that we, if something happened between the United States and China, we went to war, um, we got into even more heated you know, trade wars. Uh, the United States really does need India more yeah. on our side. Um, what In what areas do you feel like the United States um, benefits most from having a, a good relationship with India? The number one is uh, geostrategic because mm-hmm. India has that border conflict with China. Mm-hmm. The second is the the possibility of an alternative to China in the manufacturing sector. Because mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of story about you know investments leaving China going to India. Uh, mm-hmm. That itself, even though we're not seeing it, I think that threatens China a lot. Because mm-hmm. right now, the, the amount of job creation it would make for China would have been huge in this dire economy situation right now. Uh, but it's going away to other countries. And the issue with India is India has similar population. It has, in my view, a smarter population. A uh, mm. fluent English-speaking country. Uh, it has a, a closer, I think, system to, to like a democratic system to like the West. In so many ways, it's like us, but also not like us in a good way. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that idea threatens China because... China sees in India what it was 30 years ago. It was mm-hmm. this rising, booming star out of the East, right? If mm-hmm. India starts going in the trajectory it does now, there's almost no reason why the United States has to engage with China that much anymore because they have a, a, an alternative version uh, who doesn't really want to unseat the United States but is you know both militarily, economically capable and population-wise to compete with China. I think that, that mm-hmm. idea itself is threatens uh the, the Chinese. Oh, those are honestly really great points. What what can the United States do more to to show India that they should kind of give China the cold shoulder a little more often? Well, number one is stop criticizing uh, India for such stupid things. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, the, the people that were criticizing India for, you know, things like human rights violations, every country has that, right? The United States Definitely. has human rights violations, but but then you know if you're unwilling to criticize China for theirs, and then you're saying India somehow has more, I think that just that's kind of um, I don't want to curse people, but I just think it, it's it's uh you you got to be really true to yourself. Like, what's the purpose mm-hmm. of India? Uh, mm-hmm. Trading more with India, right? Uh, moving your companies to India, uh, getting. I think creating value. That's uh, the, the the term value. I, I mean, like that. in like. What what is it that you th- like? India doesn't need the United States, right? But we mm-hmm. actually need them. So, what is this common value thing that we can create? Well, I think is preserving the safety of the region because India knows that China wants to threaten them with the border disputes in mm-hmm. the Himalayas. Uh, mm-hmm. So, is there a way we can ensure that with the Pakistan issue, that region in the uh, Kashmir region, which is you know where India, China, and Pakistan share like this contested re- uh, area in the Himalayas, uh, will the United States step up to ensure that India has you know some say in uh, more more say in that? Uh, and then another one is I think giving India the ability to uh, present itself more on the international stage because right now uh, India is is seen as almost like this outcast in the mm-hmm. whole uh, thing make them like us like they're no they're not that much different than us incorporate them uh they might be somebody you know who looks different but but their way of life is much closer to us and i think just, I just creating common value yeah. 
Yeah, I think India sees themselves, whether other people do, as a global power. And the more recognition they get from the United States, I agree. I think that is one of the biggest ways that we can do that. And um, I think another is is just creating more avenues for um, Indian students to come and develop some of the STEM um, institutions in the United States and and bolster things that way. Because you're starting there, getting getting younger people involved and and talking to each other, uh, you know, there's just other avenues I feel like would be really great to to bolster those relationships. But um, I've often also continued with the BRICS thing, gotten the impression that the Chinese and Russian alliance really is not as strong as Mm. Putin and Xi uh, like to to pretend it is. Like, what what are your thoughts on that? That's, uh, that's an ongoing uh, thinking in my head is, is how Mm -hmm. strong is it really? Right. Cause on the surface, it seems like, you know, whenever they meet, they always say that it's the strongest bond ever. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but then at other times, I'm thinking because the CCP really wants to secure itself before all others. So if they somehow were threatened by this connection with Russia, like say they, they got sanctioned or if Putin falls uh, from power, uh, China's for, number one choice is to to protect itself over protecting the relationship. So in that respect, I think that China and Russia's relationship is really about how China can utilize Russia more. And if Russia is of no use, it will be kicked away. Uh, On the other hand, I do think that she himself sees in Putin what could be his own downfall as well. With with Prigozhin, especially, we saw that how easily it was able to go into Moscow or almost make it into Moscow uh, and and touch Putin the way that Mm -hmm. she feels threatened. Because I think dictators are alike. They think alike. Mm -hmm. And and that's why they they bond with each other because they – they're, they're, they're bound by the idea that, you know, if we lose power, we're, that's it, right? There's, right. there's no stepping down. Uh, I think in that respect, they really want each other. And also, I think there's, there's a whole idea of uh, uh, the, your, you, it wouldn't be your enemy's enemies, our, our friends. It would just mm-hmm. be, we share this common idea of rejecting Western Right. <laughs> encroachment i think mm-hmm. that that's what they're, they're really trying to like sell at least to, mm-hmm. to the rest of the world i think i think they're doing a pretty good job honestly yeah <laughs> well i i was gonna say i think pre-ukraine conflict uh i think russia and china thought each other as pretty equal and yes. that like yeah. they respected each other i guess on that realm i think post-ukraine uh russia is china's bitch like yeah, oh yeah. Oh, China one hundred percent now controls uh Russia. Yeah. Like Putin now has to call Xi and ask him like what he can have for breakfast. Like that's what's going on yeah. over there. And it's it's yeah. it's kind of similar to I, I it's 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 uh crazy, but I think it's the same like it's almost like a similar relationship with like China and North Korea. Like China pretty much just tells North Korea, like, hey, just chill, stop yeah. freaking out, like you're gonna do what we tell you, here's a couple things, like do your thing. I I think Russia is pretty much like that kind of same situation relationship with China. China yeah. dictates what Russia does and how they do it and when they do it now. No, exactly. I, I do. I do think, uh, oh, well, that's exactly what China's doing is, is a center around, um, China as the main kind of like, uh, everything else around China is the vassal, right? They're, they're all the vassal states around China. I think that that's the goal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think I agree with what you guys all said. So I, I don't know if there's much else to add on that part. But other than, 
in the end, I think just a cautionary word, China will always make sure that its own interests are protected before everything else. So if, mm -hmm. if things go bad, China will uh, protect itself first. For sure. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on um, Zelensky saying he wants to you know, see what Xi has to say about brokering yeah. peace between him and Russia. Because to me, that seems, it honestly seems pretty counterintuitive. Uh, and it, it is frustrating in a lot of ways without getting into a lot of that. Um, try to keep it more China-centric. But I'm interested to know what your thoughts are on, on Zelensky being, you know, that, entertaining that mm -hmm. idea. I'm not, I'm not sure if Zelensky truly believes that China can broker peace. Because everybody knows, right? Like Zelensky mm -hmm. probably already knows too. Like you said, does, does China even want the war to end? First of mm -hmm. all, and right. the second is, uh, like, will Putin accept Xi's uh, recommendations? Like, I, I think that for both Zelensky and Putin to accept an a deal from from China mm -hmm. is equally as difficult as if they would accept a deal from each other. Right, because mm -hmm. we know things like Crimea, things like the uh, the, the Donbass region, all of these areas. Like, I haven't seen a single plan, not just from China, but anybody that would somehow satisfy both sides. I don't think it. I don't think it will Agreed. happen. Uh, right. but, but I simply don't think China right now wants the war to end. Some say that you know they, they really agree. want the war. Uh, some say that they want the war to end. I, in fact, I think the United States doesn't want the war to end right now. Agreed. <laughs> no. The United States is not this current. Yeah, I, I think we're at a point where the war reaches attrition and it's going to continue. I think whether people like it or yeah. not, it's it's not going to stop. Uh, nobody has a, a reason to stop, honestly. And mm -hmm. I think that's really bad because I think uh, the, the United States should focus on its actual interest in, in Asia, which is not Russia or Ukraine. It's Taiwan. Uh, mm -hmm. But right now, they're not focusing on that because they're so invested in Ukraine. So I, let's see how 2024's presidential election change things. If it's still Biden, it, you know, yeah, could continue for well, a long time. Zach, Zach, look it up real quick. But I, I saw today yeah, that sure. Biden um, signed uh, some sort of like agreement to send a certain amount of money worth of weapons to Taiwan today. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're, they're, they're doing that, uh, which I think, again, it's very wonderful that they're doing it. But mm -hmm. it's uh, yeah, but the people that I the people I speak with, they're saying it's not enough. Yeah, it's mm. three hundred forty five million so yeah. it's like how much we gave to Ukraine like just yesterday, but yeah. the, uh, the 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 issue with with current like I guess American administration and like their and how they treat Taiwan is so they'll give Taiwan some money right and they'll be like, hey here's some mm -hmm. weapons or some money or whatever, but then like the next week yeah. they'll say hey by the way if you get attacked by like China like we're blowing up all your semiconductor like facilities mm -hmm. and we'll show up maybe later so good luck mm -hmm. like it's not really a it'd be, it'd be like if you had like a really big bully in school is always picking on you and there's like someone who could easily take down that bully but the bully just shows up and is like yeah well if i feel like it that day i'll help you out but um yeah. there's really not a lot in it for me right now so we'll see we'll see how it goes and then they just walk yeah, away you, and you, you know get your ass beat <laughs> Right. It's it, it's very it's very crazy. Uh, I would have liked ideally that Taiwan could somehow defend itself, but everybody knows it's impossible. Uh, I think but so. With with the with the way the United States has been like, and this is not just a Biden, Trump, or you know any one president. It's it's mm -hmm. something that's been an issue since Eisenhower. 
really mm-hmm. like uh we we've had this like the american presidents uh since eisenhower have had to deal with the taiwan issue on different levels throughout their entire career but i think the issue now is more about how can we prevent uh, because once the war breaks out i chances are um we would the casualties on both sides are going to be great so it's yeah. like it, it, is if there's a way you can prevent the war uh that would be great that's why again it goes back to you know like i think if trump continued the second phase of the trade war i think you know we wouldn't be having this taiwan discussion right now. oh I, dude I, yeah I, you're i think you're preaching the choir on, on I, that one but yeah let's be more let's be more present and realistic you know under biden mm-hmm. what can we do um i i do think that biden is saying uh he's saying that he's going to defend taiwan i believe four times or five times now i do believe he's going to do it but i don't think he understands the cost of how many people will die in the process like how many mm-hmm. american lives will be lost how many taiwanese how many chinese lives will be lost i Air think I think yeah. his interpretation of I will defend Taiwan is up for debate. I don't think he's yeah. saying he's going to like when he says it, I don't see Biden mm-hmm. defending Taiwan, the island. I don't see Biden defending Taiwan. Taiwan. Yeah. I don't see him defend like realistically. I see him defending like the people of Taiwan mm. and he would probably like in because there's no actual treaty, there's no like, right. Um, agreement that we have that if they get attacked, we just we dive in like we do with Japan or South Korea or all mm-hmm. these other countries, right? Um, I, I think in a way he could still say, "Well, I'm defending Taiwan by just being like, hey, all your war refugees and all your like humanitarian stuff will come from us.' Like that could right. be the same. That could be the same thing as like right. his I'm defending Taiwan. Like it, it's up for debate until it's written I, in stone." I'm only optimistic Great. because I know that Japan is going to fight to the death to defend the island. Because mm-hmm. Japan, Japan, Japan knows that if Taiwan falls, they're next. So, Absolutely. Exactly. We're only banking on one thing is that Japan-U.S. Uh, treaty suggests that if Japan gets attacked, the United States has to step well, there's the, other mm-hmm. one. There's so many things that go into play here, like – uh, we talk about North Korea several times. Like if China invades yeah. Taiwan, who's to say Kim Jong Un isn't like North South Korea? Let's go because oh yeah, yeah. that's going to open up another whole can of worms. That'd be like it. It, there's so many agreements well, that are like 30, 40, 50 years old that are still in place today. That uh-huh. if one of those countries coughs in the wrong direction, like we all jump in. It's not a well, yeah, no, no, like, also imagine, like, when, when the war does happen, it's not just going to be in Asia. Mm-hmm. No. The continental United States is also a target. Like, it could it could be anything from a cyber attack to infrastructures getting blown up to, mm-hmm. you know, electric grid going down. Like, it, it, this is – it, it's unimaginable to go to war. Like, I think nobody would be insane enough to say that, yeah, we want to go to war with Taiwan. This but would be conventional war. Yeah, yeah, conventional war, but it's also going to be expanded into you know the space domain, mm. cyber domain, mm-hmm. all, every uh, area, and you know China also has a lot of control with the undersea cable. They could literally cut off communications with the world if yep. they decide to really go there. And, and mm. uh, that my- blows so many people's minds when I've said that to them that the internet actually has cables. They're like, yeah. what? I'm like, yeah. Yes. How? Yeah. It doesn't right. just yeah. float in the. It doesn't exactly. float in. <laughs> they think it does. I guess you know, but it's giant true. Wi-Fi routers. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> exactly. That's what all the trees are. 
Oh. <laughs> They're extenders, yeah. Well, I didn't know that uh, the – I don't know if it's just in the states that I travel through, like Jersey, New York, mm-hmm. or Connecticut, but – they disguised like these towers, like trees. Uh, like, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah, they painted do. brown. Yep. Yeah, yep, yeah. We have. I'm I'm out in California, and I see those all the yeah. time. They, for a second, you're like, oh nope, that's a tower. Yep, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it's kind of weird looking. They didn't do a very good job making them look like trees. This is like, what's the point? But they anyway, do for a lot of stuff, like water towers, they do. like huge yep. stuff. Like they'll paint trees on them. So like when you're looking at mm-hmm. the scenery, it just looks like it's a part of the scenery, and you're like, that, that almost looks, looks better. Off. To be honest with you, yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. this doesn't seem right. So so it seems just like from listening to the way you talk about it, that you really think conflict is is imminent. And if it is, when will we see a full-scale conflict, do you think? Uh, there's really three important timelines. January of 2024, which is when mm-hmm. Taiwan has the presidential election. Uh, there's currently three candidates. Uh, two of them are technically like pro-China mm-hmm. or belong to the, to the pro-China side. One is uh, more hardline. After that, we could see something. And then the mm-hmm. November presidential election in the United States, also, again, that could be another part. Uh, and then 2027 is, I believe, the, the commonly heard uh, time when this will take place. But mm-hmm. between then, here and then, uh, or then and now, uh, yeah. between, or sorry, now and now until 2027, I'm getting <laughs> all, my, all my times messed up. Uh, the, the, the chance of something happening it wouldn't i'd say it would be more like uh testing the water with something like a special operation like what putin's doing mm-hmm. in ukraine mm-hmm. it, they wouldn't go a full-scale invasion right away it would be something like let's see if we can, yeah like it'd be sabotage it could be like you know mm-hmm. we're taking an island close to you and see what you do um, it's going to be if, an exercise in the pacific yeah mm-hmm. our boats are just here and then all of a sudden right oh no yep. the boat needs to stop on the island oh no the island yep. is now ours like well, it's, it's basically uh, – or the other way that they can do this is uh, something called uh, United Front. We, we didn't really mm-hmm. talk about this. But um, so uh, when Mao took, took uh, over in 1949, he said that the CCP won through three magic weapons. Uh, the party itself, the, the Red Army, and then the United Front. What United Front is, is it's anything to do with sabotage, div- divide and conquer – spying, intelligence gathering, uh, turning people against other people, like these, these kind of like espionage tactics. And the reason why the CCP is so keen on United Front is because if they can do so without firing a single shot, they would, right? Chinese mm-hmm. tactics talk about the best strategy is you, you somehow don't fight, but you win the war. And mm-hmm. uh, in the, the Chinese Communist Party, is, there's four branches of power, really. So there's the party, which is above everything else. Then mm-hmm. there's the government, then there's the legislature, and then there's the United Front. So the United Front is a set, whole separate department uh, or branch of power almost. It has really high amount of authorities to do things like this, right? So in Taiwan, there are really you know pro-China people. If they can somehow turn everything around and just get Taiwan to kind of give up and to suffer defeat without firing a single shot, they would. Um, they put some guy in charge to write a strategy for the u- reunification of Taiwan. His name is Wang Huning. He is the ideology boss of the CCP, right? So he writes all about like, how do we ensure that, you know, this thing is done this way, how the propaganda uh, gets sent out, 
what the Communist Party ideology looks like in the Xi Jinping hmm. era and all of these things. He is in charge of writing this uh, United Front version of the, the war on Taiwan. So we have to really be careful because a lot of times, you know, all of the, the, the propaganda we hear, the, the Chinese associations in the United States, the pro-CCP, uh, you know, people in Wall Street, all of them, they're all part of that United Front organization work to influence and infiltrate uh, United States. So we're actively under CCP assault by the United Front work constantly. Uh, so that, that could be the alternative to an actual invasion of Taiwan. So um, kind of what you're talking about, too, would you agree is the, the sort of like civil uh, military fusion that China has, right? Yeah. Right. Could you, it, get, yeah. You know, could you give a, like an explanation for people listening that may not know what civil military fusion means and, and the CCP? So uh, if you're a college student, you went to um, MIT and you got a degree in, mecha in mechanical uh, engineering, you work for a company that makes, uh, you know, engines, right, for example, mm -hmm. all sorts of engines, jet engines, car engines, whatnot. And then three years later, you're saying, oh, I'm going to go back to China, start my own company. I'm going to mm -hmm. make civilian engines like what I did in the United States, but just home. What I've done is I took all the knowledge I learned from the United States, went to China, started a company that makes engines for cars and stuff. Mm -hmm. Then the CCP is like, hey, you're a pretty smart guy. How about I get you to work for us? But we're not going to tell you that you're working for us. You're just going to make these things for us. Uh, and then it somehow ends up in a Chinese fighter jet. And then you're like, you know, how did, how did David – David? Uh, MIT graduate David, how did he take what he learned in the United States back to China and it ends up on a uh, military plane? That's mm -hmm. basically what dual, uh, the civil military fusion is. Anytime a Chinese company makes something, it can be utilized for military purposes, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's disguised as a civilian uh, company. And then what I just mentioned in the first part is also the technology transfer. I've mm -hmm. successfully stolen an American technology or whichever other country. I've turned it back to chi uh, into Chinese F35. ones, F-35s, you know, we got uh, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think uh, China even steals things like corn grains mm -hmm. so that they can understand how American corns are grown and they can take, like they will steal anything, like any bits of, of, of technology from, mm -hmm. you know, everywhere. So uh, that's, that, that's dual use, basically dual use, civil military fusion. Uh, it can be applied to a civilian context and a military context. Well, then, so what avenues the U.S. go down to, like, mitigate Chinese influence and sabotage then, do you think? Yeah. Just shut off China? The, the, there's uh, – Man, nobody, that'd be pretty rough. You just you know, want cold you, turkey. That's, yeah. like the, that's like the million-dollar question is how do you mm – -hmm. It is. Uh, every, okay, look. Every time you do this, somebody calls you racist, right? You're like, oh, the CCP is bad. We're going to shut off Chinese investment. And you get like this group called Cold Pink or something, uh, yep. supported by the, you know, the LA or San Francisco Chinese Association, but never association or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, the, and they're like, oh, this is racial discrimination against Chinese people, blah, 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 right? Calling this, the, the virus, the, the China virus, racist, things like that, right? Um, I don't, I don't have an answer for you. The reason is, I, but I do have a, I guess you would say a, a process. It is a loaded or, question. Yeah. But I do have a process getting people to start learning like through either your podcast 
watching my stuff or other people's stuff to understand the CCP. I think that's, it takes time. I actually, I, I wish the United States during, uh, you know, whether that's Trump or now Biden would form a education bureau against communism. They have some stuff in DC, but I don't think it's, it's widespread. Hmm. Like I wish they had a system like how you would study the, the, the fascist, uh, you know, like Nazis, right? The, the, you know, all the stuff they did, the Holocaust and all of that. I wish they did that for American uh, schools and also for adult education. Because I know Ron DeSantis did something like that in Florida. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm not so the sure. US, other... The U.S. used to do that during the Cold War when we were like, yeah. going against Russia. Mm-hmm. Like every American knew about Russia and their communists, yeah. Soviets and all or the, the stuff that they were doing. worked. Yeah, exactly. But but um, today, if you do that, they call you a racist. So most school boards yeah. don't want to do something like that. Yeah, or a uh, nationalist or something like that. Exactly. Or, you know, you're a MAGA Republican, even though you, know, you might not. You might, you, might, right. you might just want to know about how communism is destroying humanity, but what, you, get, you get called what's a funny right. About, what's funny about the whole MAGA thing is, like, it's make America great again. But Biden's yeah. Build Back Better is the exact same plan, just yeah, exactly. with a different title. It's like he went and asked Derek Zoolander to come up with a, a motto. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's just that's exactly what it's always made me think it's of. It's the same Build thing. Build better. That's what I think is so funny in politics in America is that the same coin. Yeah. They will just, like, come on. It's the exact same coin. They're not worth it, much. It's They're like pennies. <laughs> Why should Western countries diversify away from China? Uh, honestly, it's for their own benefits. If during COVID we saw anything, it's that you, you don't want your toilet papers to be made from China. You don't want your basic <laughs> medical supplies, right, to be made in China. Like if mm-hmm. I, I just saw a story today about how there's a LA warehouse making COVID tests, and it's run mm-hmm. by some biotech companies, like uh, with like Chinese ties to it. Uh, I just think anything critical supplies wise it should be made domestically i think that's what they're doing now they're calling it de-risking you mm-hmm. hear that term a lot now or it's for their own yeah. decoupling yeah it's for your own benefit you know mm-hmm. it's it's not really about uh anything else other than just if you want to have things you got to have it domestically china's not you know we saw what it did with the shipping too right when china was mm-hmm. under the covid lockdown like American uh, shipping industry or like where the ports, uh, it's a whole mess. Like you, you can't have that. We're still again. recovering from that. Honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's crazy. And uh, that's one thing I, I really don't understand why it took so long to do. Like decoupling this whole idea was seen as again, you know, anti-China, anti, uh, it was racist during the Trump mm-hmm. administration. But now you see they're basically doing that. It's it's just it doesn't have Trump's right. sticker slapped mm-hmm. onto it, right? That's what I was getting yeah, at. That's okay. The whole MAGA yeah. build back better thing. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's another process. one. Of, it's it's so, protecting your own industries, right? Yeah, that's what so we've we, talked about before. That I uh, I'll, say, I'll just make this statement real quick, Zach. That you know, if something were to happen World War Three again, I don't think the United States uh, could get back to the production power it had in World War Two after Pearl Harbor as quickly as it did. I just don't think yeah. it's possible. Yeah. I think the U.S. was pre-gaming that, though, a little bit. It wasn't like a, oh, what happened, and then let's go. Oh, they I were, agree. They were yeah, getting ready for it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was – this next question I had for you, David, was kind of like – so we talked a lot about how like powerful China is, the stuff mm-hmm. they can do, how they're interconnected and like everything, all this type of stuff, right? And up to this point, 
they've sound pretty undefeatable. Like they yeah. just, they they've got the plan, they're ready to go, nothing's going to stop them, and we're kind of just along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is their Achilles' heel? What yeah. is their potential downfall, and how can we, as the United States or um, actual democracies, not fake Chinese democracies, mm-hmm. can actually um, defeat them and rise up uh, and win? I'd like to add one caveat to that question too: yeah. CCP and PLAs. Yes. Achilles' yes. heel. Uh, so I'll kind of go slow one by one. Uh, there mm-hmm. was a, a, a former Trump State Department official who had this idea. I won't say too much because I don't know if he wants me to share. But he basically said if we can turn all of China's propaganda against them and somehow mm-hmm. we can project it into people's hands like what we do, like you and I, yeah, I what we do. And then they can actually see the truth. The, the mm-hmm. lies will crumble themselves, right? The reason they put the firewall up in the first place is to stop that. Um, mm-hmm. So once you can change people's heart, uh, you stop the support for the PLA. There's internal opposition to Xi Jinping what he wants to do. It's whether or not they they have enough, you know, whether they they have enough. Uh, they think like if they're not afraid to do it. I don't mm-hmm. think they're they're. I don't think they're they're ready yet. I think there needs to be another trigger. So I'll leave that for now for the Communist Party. Uh, Nobody, like I said earlier, nobody believes in the CCP or Zach said earlier, nobody believes in the CCP. I agree. Uh, they're all using it because it's a system which they can profit from. They can, they can. So if we can and tell them that. they're kind of stuck in it. Yeah, exactly. Like they can't really if, escape if we, it right now. Yeah. If we can tell them somehow that it's okay for you to leave the party, uh, uh, I think that's great. But the one, the, the actual concrete thing I want to talk about is too. One is the economy. The economy mm-hmm. has never been in such a bad state like mm-hmm. it is today. So I think if we can somehow, the Biden administration was doing really good with the whole chip control and all of these. If they can continue to pressure them, uh, I think that's going to force the CCP to like, there, there will be more uh, pressure inside. Again, that's going to lead to a lot of oppositions. And then the second one is security. The CCP values security over everything else. So if we can challenge the authority of Xi Jinping, like what we've seen recently with, you know, whether that's Qinggang or the PLA and all of that, uh, it tells people that he is not this god. He is not invincible. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to break the facade. And then one point in the end to just say is that the when, when they run on bullying people, when they run on fear, uh, the really strong thing against that is you be you stand up against it. Uh, like what the Uyghurs are doing, like what Tibetans, the Falun Gong practitioners are doing. And you never let it bring you down. You just keep going. Um, in the end, you will win. I, I do I do have really high hope about, you know, the future of China. I think it's coming really soon. And I think it just, we're, we're like at the halfway point there. Uh, more things are going to happen and we'll see that it's going to topple the system. Uh, it could happen instantly and it could be very unexpected. And mm-hmm. But it, it still takes some time. I like that. What should what steps do the United States take to improve technology to try to catch up with with China? And obviously, that's a that's a really broad question. But um, you know, I feel like the civil military fusion that the Chinese uh, operate under is 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 a big advantage. Do you think that the let's just narrow that down and say, do you think that the United States could well benefit from doing something like that? And how would they, without kind of crossing some of the lines the CCP does? I think uh, the U.S. has something that the CCP doesn't have. It's called innovation. 
the, the Chinese cannot innovate under the communism. And mm. I think the competitive edge there will show uh, in the near future because okay. uh, I just simply cannot see China out innovating the United States. The, it's, it's just, uh, I think it's like a natural thing. Like, you know, we need to somehow make sure the American companies that has the innovation doesn't end up in China. Uh, but that's Congress's job. That's you got to elect people who can, you know, tell Cong- or do things in Congress to stop that. I know today Marco Rubio had this uh, amendment to say that we should stop putting the retirement funds, uh, you know, investing into China. That, 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 got re- that, that didn't get uh, that that didn't get passed. So I mean, there's still a lot of Wall Street lobbying. I think that's a domestic issue. Um, but other than that, I think we're I think we're on the right. Uh, track if we can be a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Who was the representative? Yeah. Marco Rubio. I'll look it up. Keep chatting. What do you you do? You, so you would then say that you think Trump's uh, breakaway from the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership was a good thing? I I'm I I'm actually not too familiar with that part because. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the CPTPP that they were trying to do, which is like the upgraded version of that, mm-hmm. uh, how I, I would say that Trump should go back to it uh, because you know he he's very he's all about America, right? He's very pro America. He's he's saying we have to maximize our own interest. Um, mm-hmm. I I actually disagree with him on that a little bit because sometimes, hmm. and I feel like you know, not everybody thinks like. People love America, but not everyone thinks like America. They think that we yeah. need somehow be shown us an incentive to to you know join you, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if Trump could show them a little bit of incentive, uh, like say, oh, we're going to concede some of that so that you know we can all kind of work together, uh, mm-hmm. I think that will make them very happy. But then you know I think the other part that I do agree with Trump on is how NATO countries don't spend two percent of their GDP on defense. I think that part is very reasonable. So the whole uh, you, you know think? the defense, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I think trade-wise, especially in Asia, I think it's good. It's okay to concede a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say go back to CPTPP uh, if Trump. I think I think he might because he, you know, his second term. I think he'll be he'll be ready if he does get elected. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if other candidates are doing that. I think, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You find yeah. Zach. Yep, it was uh, yeah, Marco Rubio. It was uh, the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board. Uh, he wanted to submit an amendment that make it so no government employees or workers or like you know Congress presidents all that sort of stuff they could not invest in any companies that support uh, the People's Liberation Army or the community or the Communist uh, Party in China as well. Uh, it was immediately mm-hmm. shut down, like across the entire Senate. So it didn't go very far, which is not surprising because they're probably all investing in China. But I was going to kind of bring up the, uh, uh, you were kind of talking about how they have no innovation, right? Uh, It just Mm -hmm. made me think of the line, like if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Well, China can never get ready because they'll never be ready because they can never innovate. So I think it kind of goes into the, like if America just keeps innovating, even though China's going to constantly be stealing our tech, we'll technically always be ready and ahead because we made it first. So we should know what the, um, I guess the trap card is or the, the way to defeat it. 
You know, what's funny is I learned uh, recently that the Chinese, um, for the majority of their their conventional um, small arms for their military, that their those rounds actually have steel casings, and not brass casings. Did you know that? I, did I didn't know. know that. No. Yeah. The, it damages the weapon. Yeah, it does. A lot quicker than you know, firing all these rounds through it. Really, I mean, the the only advantage is that it, it, it wouldn't rust as fast. You know what I mean? Um, but that's something else is, is brass is considerably more expensive than, than steel. Yeah. You well, know? Yeah. And yeah. so it just, there's all these little things that you, I keep finding out there's just like trickles of like, and that really does matter at the end of the day. If you can't, you're not going to be as accurate, you know, it's going to create more stoppages, you know, when you're firing all these things, like if you can't throw lead down range, you're not doing anything. It's that's bad, right? Well, that's to, to yeah. that's of too, the year. They don't even have enough guns for their current military. Mm-hmm. So like if they're gonna be breaking left and right, <laughs> then mm-hmm. ugh. I mean the, starts you know, the, the Chinese combat. like uh standard issue is a it's called type ninety five or uh, not type ninety five. It's something like Q B or something like that. I exactly. think it's a copycat version of type ninety five. Okay. Uh, and so, like, and their, um, you know, their, F, their, their version of the J twenty, which is like the F thirty five copycat too. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody like they had a diagram. It showed basically like it looked exactly like like the F thirty five minus does. they added an extra set of wings on it. So right, like, what are those things on the front called? Are they called like ailerons? I could be wrong. I don't remember what they're called. The things on the yeah the, on the side. It's, it's on like the J twenty or something. I'm sure. Um, I remember, yeah, but. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, but China added those because they couldn't figure out how to like. Uh... So the F twenty two has a uh, thrust vectoring, so like oh, it can okay. it can change because it's got two engines and they can like be large, they can be small, and they can go up, they can go down, they can go left, they can go right. So the F twenty two, while normally turning, can also like uh, thrust vector. That's what mm. makes it do weird alien movements where it's like going this way, and then all of a sudden it's just going it's the opposite cool. direction. You're like, what? How to do yeah. that? Uh, the Chinese couldn't figure that out, so they tried their best to make it as close as possible. So their their thrusters are stationary. They do go up and down for just normal stuff like that, but they're mostly stationary. And they added those ailerons to help with thrust vectoring. But theirs only works if they're going fast because yeah. they need the friction off air to make mm-hmm. that work. So if they're not moving, then it does nothing. So. Same with the uh, Chinese first domestic uh, passenger plane. All the parts are made like by Americans in other countries. So, hmm. and, and then now I believe it has like stopped working. It's, it's got grounded because it's, it's like a Frankenstein put together. Yeah. So, you know, it's like I'd an love Airbus see... and, a, and a 747 like Boeing yeah. and, like, and, right. like a, and a, and a know, engine, American <laughs> engine, like German wings or something. I loved, like, I love to see Chinese people innovate, right? Like I did mm-hmm. uh, you know, they had, inventions in in the past but it's like you have this whole block on top of you that you, innovation right. is like you need freedom right it is the fundamentally opposite of communism you can't have you won't have uh innovation yeah, so. but china, china yeah. innovates out of fear like hey yeah exactly. put these four planes together so we can fly and if you don't i'm gonna kill your whole family and i'm gonna sell your organs on the black market so exactly yeah uh, the gun was the is the QBZ ninety five. It is yeah, the exact QBZ-9. it's there the exact it copy of a Type ninety five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look yeah. at the photos and they're exactly the same. The QBZ looks like an airsoft have. gun. <laughs> Let me see. 
How many? Yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, with the PLA is the their NCO Corps uh, versus the American military it's like, NCO Corps. It's like China. It's a massive difference. Or not China. It's like mm-hmm. Russia, where they don't trust them. The, the one thing I didn't mention about the PLA is uh, there's some secret amendments draft rules that they recently made. Increase uh, reserve age, expand mm-hmm. reserve age. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also made a military, uh, like, martial law takeover kind of thing. So, you know, if during wartime they really need to round up the people to go be cannon fodders, they now have legislation procedures. It's very interesting. The last few years, the CCP has done a lot of legislations. They Mm -hmm. passed a bunch of laws. Like, even though they don't need them to do things, they did it. Because what happened was they realized every time the United States imposed, like, sanctions or did did something to China, they had this, like, law set up. They're like, oh, you know, our trade law, whatever law. Uh, so China learned in order to be sophisticated, they have to put up this law. So they started passing a bunch of laws like counter espionage law, uh, business laws, uh, you know, legal jurisdiction laws like military laws, just so that they can seem like they're legal in whatever they're doing, even though it, they, it's never legal. It's like a uh, little brother copying a big brother. That's what yeah, makes me think everything. Of. Everything's copied. It's it's uh, that's one thing. Uh, I guess it's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. You you don't have innovation. You can't be the competitively the best. Uh, yeah, that's. You, I, you I would think, think you hope hope you know if if we made it and they copied it and we know how to defeat it. You would hope. I do. This is totally off topic, David. And I want to ask you: What do you think about all the UAP stuff? Oh, I I I'm a big believer. I think there's life forms out there. I it better I, be a believer. The government I, just, I just said they don't. exist like two days ago, and it's not. No, I, big I just news. don't think that it's possible for us to mm-hmm. exist on a planet in like the vast amount of uh, space out there for mm-hmm. for us to be the only thing. Like okay. I just, it, to, I don't know. My my horizon doesn't feel. <clears throat> I feel like we must not be the only thing. In, in I also, you know, my crazy suspicion is that. You know, we always talk about ghosts and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we do. I, I know for a fact that I think, like, you know, this this space that we currently live in, there's probably, like, a parallel dimension of some sort with, you know, life forms there. But I, I, that's just my crazy talk. I, I don't know. I'm a very yeah. – I believe all things that possibly exist. Like, you know, I, I just I just cannot count out the possibility like that, right? There's too mm-hmm. many – you know, Agreed. whether that's supernatural phenomenon mm-hmm. or whatnot, and that exists in the mm-hmm. world. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I don't know about you guys. I UAP, uh, UFOs, aliens. I think those things are real. Oh no, man, we are we're right there with you. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's if if we're the only ones in this entire universe, then it's an awful waste of space. And exactly. There's just no way looking up there that we're the only ones to be in existence now or to ever have been in existence at any point. I just, I don't, I've ever since I first heard that spooky X-Files theme when I was in like first grade, I've been a believer. Dun, 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 I've been dun, a believer. Dun, 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 dun. That's right. Yeah. No, I, I a hundred percent think it, <laughs> it's real. So, but yeah. Did you, how many, how many do they have Zach? I, I can't actually find a number. Um, hmm. It, there's like, so like uh, China says that they have enough assets for their entire military. Of course, they're going to say that. And then like the Pentagon will say that they, they believe they don't have enough resources or weapons or ammo for their entire military. and Which, of course, would, we'd say. Yeah, which, of course, I know yeah, food security say. is a big issue right now yeah. because they've been, they've been trying to secure food supply. Because China is a net importer of food, so they mm-hmm. need outside supply. And they get a lot from the United States. So mm-hmm. if the U.S. does cut off China from food import, uh, starvation ensues very quickly. 
Yeah. I know that's obviously that's not something I would want to see all these people starve to death. Yeah. That'd be terrible. You know, and yeah. not to mention, you know, the, the outcry from the global community of the United States did something like that. But yeah. you know, at the same time, you know, this, this one of these, these things that supports that argument that economic interdependence is what prevents wars. And mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't believe in that. I don't think that it, it does because there's been, there's plenty of examples of economic interdependence going away, you know, and, or it not mattering, even though we are at, you know, it starts a war. Does it make sense? Yeah. And yeah. it just, to me, it, it's not going to economic interdependence. Isn't going to prevent conflict. Yeah. Um, would you, would you agree? Well, I mean, the prime example is you wouldn't care if you and Canada, you know, the United States and Canada were interdependent because the the Canadians aren't going to try to, you know, start a conflict with you, right? Over, you know, maple syrup or wood or whatever. Yeah, hockey, the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, maybe hockey, maybe hockey. Yeah, no, they may. You're right. That's it. I'll give but, Canada that, you yeah. know. Yeah, but, but you know, when you're, you're interdependent with China or any other uh, clearly you know, threatening your, your, your livelihood, mm-hmm. that's no, that's never going to work. And it's, it, it's almost like, you know, you're in, you're in a boxing match with somebody, right. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, you know, tight with them together with a belt. And then you're like, Oh, because we're tied together. I'm not supposed to hit you. Well, the other person's not going to care. They're going to hit you back. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a, uh, you're limiting yourself. You're handicapping yourself. It, mm-hmm. It's right. crazy why they think that that's, that's something that's working. Yes. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, you can sit on the news and watch the news and watch people talk about that. You know, oh, nothing's ever going to happen. We're too tied together. And it's just like, yeah. dude, go, go back and, and read, read newspaper articles prior to world war one happening. You know, the Europeans thought that that would prevent another great war, like the Franco Prussian war from happening. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Gavrilo Princep shoots France Ferdinand and all hell for yep. breaks loose. You know, we're, it's just like, we're not as ahead. tied together as, people think we are too like yeah mm-hmm. it's still like the global economy type of stuff but i remember like you get a lot of people and like they'll just think oh china has like 80 percent of our debt it's like no it's actually like 0. 0.8 or something like that like it's not as much as you think it is um most of u.s debts to itself we just borrow money from ourselves because the treasury is not technically even part of the u.s government it's like its own private Why are we paying entity. taxes zach we're paying taxes <laughs> to pay me and you because we're government employees. How, how, how do you think I got this mic? Thank you for your taxes, listeners. I really appreciate it. <laughs> oh my God. So I, I really have one last question for you, David. Mm. And I want to know what you think about TikTok. And before oh, yeah. we get there, uh, mm. Brandon has TikTok on his phone and is a, is a proponent of TikTok. I do mm. not have it on my phone and I am an opponent of TikTok. <laughs> I so I'm missing out on so many potential you know opportunities to spread my message because I'm not on TikTok. Mm. But I just I talked about it for so long. I'm like TikTok, you know, they collect your data, they send your kids like inappropriate stuff. Uh, they they they're they're changing a whole generation of kids into these you know, TikTok machines that. I'm not seeing. I'm right now. I'm seeing a trend with people pretending they're like NPCs in a video yeah. game. They're like, I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I would never go on TikTok, and I, I just, I think the, the, the risk outweigh the, the reward. But I can see why people would do it. It's such a lucrative platform for getting your message out. Uh, I don't know if you guys, your own podcast account is on there or not. Like from a it business is. perspective, 
I would love to be on there. But for my personally, I I just I don't know. My personal view of TikTok is it's that it's a digital opium sent by China in like a reversal opium war that you know that got started uh, against Very good China. At analogies. I, I like that. Mm. Yeah. I don't I'm know. St- Brandon, I'm still why, on why, why are you on TikTok? So I, I put the podcast on TikTok for exactly the reason that you, you bring up because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a very, very good way to grow. And, mm-hmm. you know, when it, when I did it, we, we gained like 500 extra followers within like two days. And I told Zach yeah. that, you know, yeah. Yeah. and it slowed down quite a bit. So I kind of thought, well, maybe that's just like, could all be BS, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To kind of lure you in. Because podcast talked about China. Like, yeah. It could be, right? <laughs> no, no, I mean, and, and very well, it could be right, yeah. Um, and I'll say this too, like our growth isn't like amazing on there. And I'm going to, I want to try it purely for for podcast growth for a while. But the other thing with it too is, you know, my, my question was coming from a place of, is it really this as terrible a thing as the, uh, as people make it out to be or the U.S. government right. wants people to believe, Um and the other piece I see to it too is there is there is so much information out there. Not all of it's good information, but mm-hmm. I have found out about things happening well before the mainstream news hits. Yeah. And then there's people that are there around what's happening, giving you perspectives, right? So yeah. there is a lot of benefit from that, right? Minus all the Chinese mal and bloatware. Okay, so it just um, that's why those are the two reasons mostly. But, um, you know, I, I don't know that I'll stay on there or keep the podcast on there just because, you know, I haven't really seen the return I was I was thinking it may have. have and that could just be because, you know, Zach and I are a couple of weirdos, too. But um, it just I was wondering if you thought it was as bad or dangerous. Does that make sense? Well, but I kind of want yeah, to. You, 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 talk about, you talk about why you use it, Brandon. I want to talk about why I don't like it before David kind of puts us all in our place with, with this information. But the, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't use it because one, uh, like TikTok in China is used like mostly like actual educational mm-hmm. stuff. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. all their stuff on TikTok is like how to like science, put, yeah, science, how to put this rifle together, how to like grow crops, <laughs> like how like literally it Even is. The U S putting together a rifle on TikTok would probably get your account banned. Yeah. In the U.S., it's like how to be an NPC. It's like let me let me go drink this milkshake from McDonald's and then have a spasm attack. Like, okay, cool. Um, but the the big issue though for Your me is that what he what David talked about earlier, right? The interconnectedness of like the private and the government of China. So mm-hmm. like when you make your account on TikTok, like you would let it have pretty much all access to your phone. So it knows all your keystrokes and knows all your passwords and knows everything about you, your location, all of that. And this was an issue with Pokemon Go. I remember the DOD came out and like got in contact with like Niantic, I think was the company who made it. And they're like, hey, uh, you can't have Pokemon on like military installations anymore because Pokemon Go had your camera up and you're trying to catch a Pikachu and then behind you, behind the Pikachu is like a B-52 Right. And so like mm-hmm. China was like, <laughs> oh, true. cool. We just got a picture of your assets sitting there. Nice. Thanks. You know what I mean? Well, I so, just like, got a peek at you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just got a peek at you <laughs> while you're trying to catch that Pikachu. But Terrible no, the, uh, 
and that's my issue is like, so if they scan it, I know other apps do this. I'm not saying like, like I know Facebook is doing it. I know yeah, Instagram it's not is doing it. to TikTok. No, but the issue is that TikTok is connected to China. So yeah. like at so any is Meta. moment, is it, does China have the Dude, same? Mark Zuckerberg literally let a Chinese company run cable into San Francisco and was just offloading data for years until the FBI was like, hold on, you can't do that. Not to mention Mark Zuckerberg yeah. has Xi's book and has made it suggested reading for, for meta employees. Right. I guess so, I'm about to delete Facebook too. And all of that. <laughs> but but the, Facebook's, Facebook's dumb. Yeah. But like I've just the, had Facebook since like Oh seven. Right. Yeah. I, but yeah. the, the thing there is that like, in my mind, now, now I'm thinking like military strategic wise, if China was like about to go to war with the U S Mm-hmm. And you now have like almost the entire U.S. using TikTok and you now have access to TikTok and pretty much at any moment you could have access to all the keystrokes. Why not? And David said, you don't even need to fire a shot. All China would have to do because they have access to all the keystrokes is just pretty much make you transfer like every American's money just got transferred to China or you no longer can access your money. You can't do anything. Or all your phones now just get turned off. Like you just cause mass hysteria in the U.S. by the people, and you won by never shooting a shot. They technically put their own virus on every American's phone, and it's just it's just being it's the Trojan horse. It's just being waited to be activated. And I don't know exactly how much access they have or what they actually can do or anything like that. But well, con- consider how much communication happens day to day on a, a cell phone. Yeah, I'm assuming they have a Especially, lot. Especially, yeah. That's my thing. But put, I, I, put no, me in my place, David. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I agree. Like what you both said was really good um, uh, things because uh, for, actually I agree with all of that uh, because I see both sides of it. The only thing that's keeping me off of it is actually uh, – so I don't know if you guys read this on the Wall Street Journal, but they did like an investigation. They found the way the TikTok algorithm worked was – so they used a bunch of bot accounts. Mm-hmm. And then they uh, they just let them freely roam TikTok. A uh, few of them immediately was started getting like you know drug abuse uh, or like sexual content. Uh, but the the age of that account they set it to like thirteen to fifteen year olds. Mm-hmm. So the algorithm, the the way it works, like the longer you watch a certain amount of content, like it recommends that type yeah. of content to you. Right? Mm-hmm. So they started sending these like kids, you know, fifteen year olds. Uh, whether that's pornographic or suggestive stuff or like drug use, like marijuana use stuff. And for me, that was just kind of like over the line because, you know, I, I don't, I've not heard that. I, I found that to be too influential. Like, mm. and given what I know about China, I was just like, this is deliberate. This is definitely mm-hmm. a way like uh, Zach, what you said, the TikTok in China, they have restrictions on what kids can see. And their promotion of content is usually like pro CCP, mm-hmm. you know, scientific, how to be a patriot, things like that. Uh, whereas on the American TikTok, there's a lot of great information, but most kids go on there. Like the kids that I I, uh, I know, they, they use it to watch like really weird, useless stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just to fill time. And the next year, mm-hmm. hours have gone by. Yeah, yeah that's that's the reason I'm not on there. Sometimes I, I find that the the even on Instagram, like I get a lot of comments that are very uh, 
like uneducated sounds pretty bad, but they're just they don't they're, they're it's a younger audience base, so they're, they're not very in tune with you know things like politics and history. Uh-huh. So I I just think yeah, like TikTok is is too young. You know, the, the audience base is too young uh, for, for the stuff that I want to do. But uh, other than that, no, I agree with what you both said. I just think, I, I, I think Zach is more right, right? Uh, it's a double-edged sword. Um, it is so good at getting information out. Like when, when that um, train derailment happened in Ohio, like there's yeah. so many people that were around there that lived around there that were giving literally firsthand you know, the second it was happening updates about it. And I thought, wow, that's, that's awesome. You know? Mm -hmm. And, um, that's also kind of just disappeared from the news too, which is wild. But, um, so that, that's a really good thing because nothing else out there works that well. The media, the regular mainstream media is not that quick because you have all these people on the ground with cell phones, but at the same time, Zach, like you said, you know, how many times you've been asked to come into work via a text message, you know, it would be so quickly to just track everything that was going on to mobilize how know, many via text messages, we're, we're signal both groups. Co- we're yeah. both cops. You're not supposed to take picture of the, of the roster, right? It says mm-hmm. it on there. Like not supposed to take picture of the yeah. roster. But how many times has the, the, the BDOC controller taken a picture mm-hmm. and sent it out sent to it everyone to so you can just see it. If, yep. If that BDOC controller had TikTok and now China has access to the keystroke, they just saw where you're going to post everyone at the next day. Yeah. I've seen plenty of people get NJP'd for that too. And for those listening, NJP is non-judicial punishment. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's true. You know, so I mean, maybe I'll I'll give it a little bit and uh, get rid of it. I don't know. I mean, I don't disagree with anything that you say, Zach. It's all all the truth. Um, I, I just enjoy the up-to-date information mm-hmm. um and yeah, like some of our uh some of the people content people i know they use it too they know the risk but mm-hmm. it's again you know the, it's a business thing right it's a marketing yeah. thing so sometimes it's it's inevitable uh yeah. i mean mm-hmm. if it gets banned it a lot of people are going to lose their jobs or or you know lose their yeah. income uh so it's it is a really hard thing and i i you know as much as heartline as i want you know that to be banned I also know that it's not going to be an easy thing for people. A lot of people mm-hmm. made a lot of great money on that app. They have. Right? Selling stuff, you know, being famous. Mm-hmm. What's going to change if that goes away? Who knows? I think it's a and good idea that it's up. banned on – it will. That it's banned on federal federal issued, issued cell phones. Like that to me makes a ton of sense. Um, mm-hmm. But I know they talked about, you know, if you're a government employee, you can't have it on any of your stuff. I mean just being real, like knowing what, what I know – and I know everything you said is true, Zach. Like, I, I couldn't blame them, I guess, for mm-hmm. wanting to do that just because of the sensitivity of the information. But at the same time, you know, I see it as a, an encroachment on the freedom movement, freedom, freely flowing uh, information that is really on there. So well, it's they could again, easily it's, it's do just, they could easily do what they did with with uh, Pokemon Go. Just like the phone knows where it is on this planet. So mm-hmm. when it goes through the gate on a military installation, just make it mm-hmm. so TikTok doesn't work anymore. Like it's yeah. that's that's what Pokemon Go does on a mil. Like if it still if you did want, that with a VPN. Like if you set your VPN up, say you're in Chicago, would it still work on? I don't know for sure. I know, I know when Pokemon Go like first did that. I think that's what people are saying to do to like fix it. But Pokemon mm-hmm. Go also knows if you use a VPN because like people are using it to like capture Pokemon like somewhere else. And yeah. Pokemon Go would know you were doing it, and it would like, like cancel cheating. it. 
So I'd be willing to bet the U.S. government knows if you're using a VPN. Like, True. I feel like they could figure it out. I don't, I don't know why they wouldn't. But I just think it's an interesting debate because it, it is. There are both sides, and there's, that's a, there's a lot of validity to both things. But, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Well, David, I really, really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. I know it's late where you're at. I know it's late where you're at too, Zach. Um, I'm going to give a couple of shout-outs real quick to our sponsors. Uh, Red Clover Coffee, our first sponsor. Love Red Clover. They have some amazing stuff. Uh, so head on over there. You can find them in our highlights. Um, you can go to redclovercoffee.com. Use our code CAMEWITHFIRE at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. Um, and you should also go over and support Sheep's Clothing LLC, our other sponsor. Uh, if you want some pretty sick merch or if you are into MMA or the violent arts, um, they are there for you, especially if you are a survivor of violent circumstance. So you can head over to their website. Um, you can find it again on our highlights on Instagram and use code FIRE10 at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. Um, special shout out to those two. Uh, support them in turn you're supporting us as well um, let them know that you're listening and that you support them too so um, yeah again David honestly man this was a great conversation I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us I, I, I honest this is this is not something that's gonna go away anytime soon so I mean I would love to have you on again in a couple of months to talk about changes so yeah for sure for sure uh, it was a wonderful time. Uh, didn't feel like too long because I feel like we touched on a lot of things, but it was very interesting. So time flew yeah. by. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's all it. right. That's all well, you guys have a good night. Okay. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. All right. I'm going to hit stop recording. And then he's got to wait. Oh. Oh, shit. He left.